Hello. Hello and welcome. We should have Hi. some like dramatic intro here because this is the finale. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, you're the dramatic intro person. You you choose what music goes here. You can pick. A I don't choose dramatic... the music. The music chooses me. Ah, oh, that's fair. Or the music chooses the podcast. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's the Media Boot Podcast, and we have another special episode for you. This is our special. Uh, that's wrapping up our March, it's no longer March, I should say, um, our March Madness bracket, which was, this year, uh, video game franchises. Uh, so, uh, if you have missed the first bunch, well, first of all, go back and listen to those. Yes, they're, because they're this great. Because it will make zero sense to you. They're great, they're insightful, we ramble, and we rant, and we fight. Yes. But ultimately, we have chosen... I punched him in the mouth. It's great. You missed it. You missed um, it because you couldn't see... Uh, the visuals, but trust me, there was an all-out, no-holds-barred fight going on in this podcast room. Uh, not really. Anyways, yeah, this is how we're going to wrap this up. Uh, so what we did is we went through uh, four different kinds of uh, platforms that video games are released on. Uh, we talked about Nintendo uh, franchises, we talked about Sony, talked about Microsoft, and then we talked about franchises associated with the personal computer. The PC, if you will. If you will. If you're nasty. Um, but today, we're going to wrap it all up. We have seated a bracket of our finalists, and we're going to determine uh, by going uh, two at a time, uh, which is the best video game franchise of them all. So, if you have not been paying attention, or you have decided to skip all the preliminary rounds and go straight to the finale, one, what's wrong with you? Two, here are the results. Also, a lot of people just don't have that much hours in their life, so I understand. You really only need to listen to this one, but we do recommend you listen to the end. Yes, we recommend you listen to all, but <laughs> entering the final yes. round here. What is our bracket? From this side of Nintendo, we have the Mario versus Pokemon. Well, not versus, but Pokemon Mario and, and Pokemon. We're our finalists. There. Yes. For Sony, we have Ratchet and Clank. And God of War. Yep. For Microsoft, we have Halo and Gears of War. There's a lot of, of wars going on here. Well, you're going to be disappointed with the fourth one <laughs> because we have the Warcraft of World. Okay. Oh, sorry. The sorry. World of Warcraft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And The Sims. <laughs> they Sims of get War. In there. You know, they Sims probably have had a war expansion at some point. Well, we have the World of Warcraft. There's enough war in here. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Those are your uh, bracketed franchises. So yes. yes, we will be determining one of those will be on top of the heap by the end of this. Um, so, so we yeah. have unarbitrarily, arbitrarily broken this up. Yeah, I'm not, I even asked him how he did this and he did not answer me. So I uh, don't know. This is proprietary, apparently. So, uh, no, <laughs> I have reasons for how this is broken up. Reasons. Uh, they'll be explained as we... Introduce the the contenders. Chocolate covered caramels. I love those things. Oh, so good. Reasons. Yes. G- give me some good reasons. Mm-hmm. Some raisin reasons. Okay. I don't think they ever made a raisin reason. Oh, they they need a reason to make the raisin reasons. Well, I'll here, give them a reason. Here's the reason. And the reason is yeah, you. Mistake presents. <laughs> Who mistakes the reasons for raisins? <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, it's 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 ten in the morning. In case you couldn't tell by this recording, and we are wide awake. This energy is weird. Well, we're going to uh, start off uh-huh. here. 
Yes. With a franchise where you can be anybody uh-huh. versus a franchise that anyone can be in. Whoa, blowing my mind already. Yes, I'm talking about our first matchup of Mario versus Sims. Oh, boy. Okay, so we're starting off with this already. Yes. Um, well, we're going to start off with Mario because it's a good place to start. Oh, I think... Uh, but... Uh, as I've said before, with the Nintendo and the Nintendo podcast, what is Mario? Well, Mario is everything, kind of, and that's the kind of problem with Mario, right? It's like, even though he is classically um, associated with the platformer genre, uh, arguably created what we call the modern platformer, then later created what we call the 3D platformer, uh, to this day. So yeah, like I think that um, that's one way you could define Mario. But then the other way of defining Mario is practically he is video games because Mario has appeared in almost every kind of video game imaginable, maybe except for MMO. <laughs> but everything but, else. But even then, we had Mario RPG. <laughs> well, that's a, that's just an RPG. Yeah, I'm just saying like. He hasn't been in any massively online game yet, but pretty much everything else. Yeah, but has had there's a lot of creative options out there for yeah. people who have created a Mario-esque version of yeah. the character. So immediately, like uh, the things you could say about Mario's chances here is that he is uh, popular enough where he has gotten to the top of the mainstream pop culture mindset. People know who he is, even if they're not familiar with video games as a whole. Uh, so that's one point towards Mario 2. He is um, beginner-friendly. You can come into a Mario game and expect a certain level of um, friendliness. Uh, you can pretty much have little experience with playing the kind of game he's in, but the game will hold your hand and help you learn the mechanics. It's not jumping into the deep end here, as Mario is very friendly to beginners, which makes him accessible in a way that these other franchises may not be. Also, a point towards Mario is that variety, is that he is anything you want him to be. He's in a puzzle puzzle game, a racing game, a platformer, fighting game. You can come at it from all sorts of directions, and you'll never get tired of Mario, at least in theory, because he is literally everything you want. Of course, then we can go into the negatives. I say that just because Mario is in everything also yeah. kind of hurts it because Mario can be... A racer. He can be a baseball player. He can be an Olympian. He can be a swimmer. He can be, uh, like you said, a puzzler, a, a Dr. Mario. Mario has the Mickey Mouse problem. Which yeah. It's almost if you try to make a character everything, uh, the it, character it loses is devoid what it is. of personality. And yeah, Mario doesn't really have personality. He's, he's jovial. He says woohoo a lot, but like, who is Mario? Who, who can tell? Who well, can say? Well, it's the same. Like, <laughs> In essence, what is a Mario game? It, that's the thing, is we can no longer say that it's one thing, it is everything. Right. So yeah, it, it, there is dilution going on, which I think is what you got at when we first talked about the Nintendo franchises, is there's a dilution of the brand when you consider that the brand is everything. Right, and the fact that any Mario can be anything is why I think pairing it up against The Sims, where you can be anything in The Sims, is kind of... Before we move on to the Sims, though, I do want to. Do we have any other negatives to talk about? I think one definite negative is uh, there is a uh, element of uh, 
because of it, because of its accessibility, there are an element of some people saying it's not enough of a challenge. There are challenging Mario games. Yes. I mean, the the, the lost levels, or what Japan calls Mario Brothers Two, is notorious for being extremely hard. Uh, but but generally speaking, though, if Mario's in something, you're generally going to see people call it childish. You're going to see people call it uh, like too easy because there's this weird machismo associated with gaming culture that I feel like... Mario is and will always be family-friendly. Yeah. Um, even in fighting games such as Smash Brothers. To a fault, is to what a I'm fault. saying. Yeah. To, uh, to some. And that could be a negative for a lot of people. But yeah, then... Uh, well, uh, that's one thing against Mario is that he yeah. doesn't age. He's forever this... Right. 30-something tw- plumber... <laughs> Which Finding is a princess. Hilarious that they say that Nintendo's like main thing is that he's in his thirties. It's like no way Mario's in his thirties. That is a fifty-five year old man, in, in like who can somehow can jump like a like a youth. Right. I mean, that's also like one of the main things. Like, if you ask, what is Mario's occupation? He's sometimes a plumber. He's sometimes a mechanic. But have you ever sometimes. seen him actually be a plumber? Or they just uh, said that because he goes in pipes. He does go in pipes. But does that make him a plumber? Well, I mean, that goes back to Mario Brothers, which yeah. you see them obviously in sewers, and there's sewer animals associated with sewer, like turtles. So, like, there's some references there. But yeah, after that, like, who cares what Mario is? I don't know. Mario's, like, he's just a dude. He's Mario's a, dude a referee. Mario, yeah. Mario's a... He's a doctor. A doctor. Mario's a monkey tamer. <laughs> he's whatever you want him to be. He's but literally anyways, whatever. But anyways, before we move on... Uh, is there anything else we need to talk about with Mario? Um, I'd say... He's everything. Yes, but... when He's Mr. Video Games. Yes, but I think we should kind of nail something down with Mario instead of, like, branching out the franchises of, like, Mario and Yoshi and Prince Peach and the Mario games. No, I think you take everything with it. And that's why I was saying when we talked about this in the Nintendo podcast. It's like, no, you you can't pretend that Mario was one thing. He's not. He's everything. And that's, I think, like I said, a blessing and a curse. Right. So I think if, it, depending on how we discuss its competitor, that will either hurt or harm it. Or, or like, it will benefit or harm it. So let's talk about The Sims. Okay, so let's talk about The Sims. A game where it's kind of acting like a second life. Uh, not like second life, exactly. though. That's a different that's video different game. Uh, but you could be anything you want in The Sims. You can make your character be and do whatever. Yeah, The Sims is an interesting contrast here because whereas Mario games outside of maybe Mario Maker mm-hmm. are these crafted experiences that are developed uh, in a certain way to make you like experience what they want you to experience, The Sims is a different approach to video game design, which is let's give the keys to the player and let's have the player determine who these people are, what they do. Let's make them largely create the gameplay within a structure of rules that we put out. And so, yeah, The Sims is an interesting alternative. It's in, it's saying, like, hey, you are do you feel restricted by engaging in the world of Mario? Create your own world. Make this life uh, that has their own uh, personality that you project onto them. Give them friends. Give them a job. Make sure that they don't pee themselves. You know, it's like <laughs> you're creating it, this the, the parameters of the world instead of being given uh, c- control over a specific linear set. Right. It's, it's a different approach, which means it's a different kind of thing and thus appeals to different kinds of people. It's also 
super casual in terms yeah. of how it approaches gameplay. Except it might not be, because it, it arrives this weird line, whereas it's exactly as diff- and just like SimCity before it, it's as exactly as difficult as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You can make life easy for you. You can have one sim. You can make things simple. You can like have him go to a him or her or whoever go to the job. You know, get money. You know, can build their house, and that's it. The difficulty is extended the more people you put in your house, the larger you make your house, the obstacles you put in front of yourselves. You are the arbiter of how difficult that and how casual that experience is, and that's compelling because that instead of Mario being like. Here's a linear gameplay. Showing like, oh, this is this is designed to be hard or this is designed to be easy. Mm-hmm. You are moving that slider in The Sims. You're changing that experience for yourself. Because, yeah, one of the things about The Sims, at least personally, my personal experience, was it ended up being kind of too hard Like for me. It was too micromanaging for me. And I, I, I didn't want to play something that expected a lot of like attention paid for then that's a personal thing some people are not like that but yeah that 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 stands as like that that slider is variable between even who you are yeah but that means that it's adjustable to each player and yeah. each to each um, situation it's not confined into right. this is what the game is this is how you approach it it's yeah. more open it's more free it's more of a Choose your own adventure, in a yeah. sense. And, it, and it's interesting uh, to look at in the, the way of accessibility, too, because we said mm-hmm. the Mario games are largely accessible. The Sims are accessible, but in a different way. Like, there's a, they're accessible because it doesn't uh, adhere to the standards of what we refer to as a video game. Right. Like, the, these are a different kind of, like I said at the beginning, they're a different kind of experience. And that uh, means that The Sims is enjoyed by a... Uh, larger set of audiences. There are audiences that will play and enjoy The Sims that will not enjoy a typical video game because of that. And that's a definite plus, I think, in The Sims camp, is that you can show your, uh, like, maybe an aunt or someone who's not necessarily familiar with video games like Mario. You can be like, here's this thing, here's a person. You control a person, you live this person's life vicariously, and the aunt will go... Boom. I know exactly what this is. Whereas you show them a Mario platformer, they're like, what's that? What's this? What's this? What's the controller? Mm-hmm. That's the other benefit in The Sims camp is that this is a PC game. There are uh, console uh, versions of The Sims games, but largely it, uh, it, it is so reliant on a mouse setup to control. Mm-hmm. And that is also accessible. Yeah, I mean, everyone, I mean, nowadays, everyone has a computer. Everyone's familiar with a QWERTY keyboard, yeah. point-and-click mouse. So it's very easy to like, oh, I want to go there, click. Oh, you go there. It's not like you have to try and figure out new controls. Yeah, there's a familiarity not, not only because of its creation aspect, but it's also because it's depicting life. Yeah, and because it depicts life, it has come out with several expansions yeah. just as life happens that's the other thing is that in a way this is also a timeless game not in the way that mario is timeless but in a different again in a different way it's timeless because it reflects real life or alternatively presents fantasy scenarios that you would like to have in real life that don't actually exist like the sims routinely interact with the supernatural there are ghosts there Mm -hmm. are vampires there are expansions where you can 
embrace these fantastical elements. And so you can, like again, live vicariously through your sins and experience things you can't experience in real life. But that starting off point is very real. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's, it, it's easy to explain, again, to somebody who isn't familiar with video games. Right. And just like Mario, it's something that is constantly being updated. Constant yes. expansions, constant um, variety added. Uh, different uh, spice of life, if you will, to the Sims. <laughs> yeah, literally. Uh, but yeah, and it's, 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 yeah, it's this thing that they're constantly updating. And yes, there are sequels to the Sims, but those sequels do get uh, periodical updates and expansions. So yeah, even your current version of the Sims is I think it's Sims constantly 4. getting new new features. Yeah, I think we had a new Sims uh, right, so expansion is the current last. Yeah, like a couple months ago, I think, or it was like their holiday pack. Yeah, it's it's getting. Uh, yeah, we're constantly getting new stuff, even for the the most current Sims. Right, and that's why I think we pair these two up together because it's. Very wide bases that mm-hmm. both of these are franchises are coming from. So uh, negatives uh, for the Sim now that we've lauded and praised it. Um, again, uh, that accessibility comes at a cost, which is is that it's as much as you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. Meaning somebody who has say little patience with a video game right. will bounce off of it because you give too open of parameters to some people. And they need that guiding hand. There are some people who just don't want an experience to tell them, here, here's a playground play. They want an experience to be like, no, I want a mission. It's what happened with No Man's Sky, where it was too open. It was plop you down, figure it out. And you're like, wait, what do you mean figure it out? Give me some some parameters here. What what is my goal? So a lack of goals... And I, I, I know that this is something that in more recent Sims adaptations, I think, especially 3 mm-hmm. and 4, they've started being more goal-oriented in the design. You now have a goal when you start a Sim. Uh, sensibly, I haven't actually played the most oh, recent one. From what I understand, it's like they set you up, but then you can choose, like, no, I want goals to, to chase. And there will be something, always be something that you're chasing with your Sim now. Right. I think it's goals up to, like, a certain level to where, like, mm-hmm. you at least get, like, a base of what you want to do before you start exploring out into the different but elements. But even that, though, it's not the game is not forcing you in any way to engage. So there are still going to be people who feel like that there's not enough direction and that they would be afraid of, quote, messing up, unquote, if they do something outside of that box. Right. Like if they, like, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't just, like, determined in The Sims that you have to figure out by discovery. There isn't necessarily that, that guiding arrow telling you to do exactly this or else you can make a wall over your freaking bathroom and you can find out the hard way when your sim can't go yeah it's, it's stuff like that or it's like oh you can make a dog but if the dog runs out of the house you have to go get it because or, it will run away or you can you can make a, oh, a swimming pool in your backyard and then take the ladder <laughs> take away the ladder out and then your sim drowns it's like yeah exactly it's, and and yeah some people like that kind of discovery but some people will whack against that. They'll whack their head against it and be frustrated by it. Um, there's also the, the, the limited audience for PC games, I think is important here also. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has a PC that can run The Sims. Uh, maybe the classic Sims, but maybe not the most recent iteration. And uh, the console versions of The Sims do kind of mitigate that a bit, but they're definitely not as expandable and not as uh, like elastic as the PC versions. And also not as intuitive, because no matter 
how simple you make game controls on a controller, they're still on a game controller, which is a huge barrier of entry for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That people will stay, will like look at an Xbox controller and be like, I, I don't even know where to begin with this thing. There's two sticks. There's all these buttons. There's two sticks. There's the directional pad. Which one am I using? <laughs> yeah. uh, a, B. I know A, B, but X, Y, those other stuff. And then there's triggers on the back. <laughs> which is a larger conversation. Yes. And something we could have even brought up with Mario and can literally bring up everything else on this list. Uh, but, but, but the Sims... Uh, the PC version of the Sims, at least, is so cursor-based that it almost dodges that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> to negatives... Um, yeah, it's it's just it's it's something that's so open ended and something that's not necessarily that's not something going, going to be for everybody. Also, it's got that casual air to it, as you brought up, and that's a negative again for the same kind of people who see the Mario series as a negative. There's the same kind of person who'd be like, "Well, this is what I call a video game. This is what not what I define." And yes, there's an element of gatekeeping to that that I think is old hat and should be right. done uh, by 2019, but. <laughs> As this week in video game culture has proven, people are still into that gatekeeping. Oh, people yeah. are still very, very, uh, they, they feel very, it's like it's a very important thing to defend the, like, hardcore nature of video games. Defending challenge as, like, a virtue. And the be-all, end-all of video game. Now, I don't brilliance. know, now I have a question here, and I don't know the okay. exact answer. But is Sims Online? So there was actually a game called The Sims Online. I, yeah, that's what I massive, thought there was. A multiplayer version of The Sims. This was, I think, after the second game's release, or maybe right before the second game's release. I, I remember reading about it when I was still subscribing to a lot of video game magazines. I think specifically PC magazines because there it was a PC only. Right, and this was. This would have been the late aughts then, right? So yeah, it tried. No, this would have been early two thousand. Early two thousand. Uh, this would have been early to mid, uh, because yeah, this was when probably right around the time that World of Warcraft, a game we'll talk about later, uh, was out and had proven that that was a mainstream thing. Uh, so yeah, they, that, they tried that, and mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily how successful it was, but but yeah, that existed. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember it existing. I. Yeah. Just don't forget if it continued on with its later franchises, yeah. like you could take The Sims 4 online I or think whatever. The online hooks into the current iterations. I think it's very. I think it's the same, largely that it's been since the second game, which is, he you can look at like people's creations and download them and play them for your on your own uh, game. Like for example, if somebody decides they want to share their house that they've created with their Sims that they've created say, that look like a bunch of celebrities, they can be like, here, I created these celebrity Sims, here's this house, I'm going to like post, post this on the Sims game so other people can download it and try out what I created. Okay, so... I think that's the online hooks. I don't know necessarily if you can... You might be able to take your Sim and visit somebody else's world, like Animal Crossing style. I don't actually know if that's how it works. Because, okay. again, I don't know. I, like, I haven't played it either, but... All right. Because the way you made it sound like is exactly what Mario Maker is. It's similar to Mario Maker, exactly, where you're, you're, you're sharing that. And in fact, it's funny that you bring that up because Nintendo was very, very late to that concept. Yes. <laughs> but they've finally done it. Uh, but yeah, it, I think it was one of the earlier examples of that when you talk about Sims 2. Right, and I think Mario Maker, while it's definitely a great game, it's definitely a lot of user-based friendly, 
it's, it's it's basically Mario in a nutshell, or Mario can be anything, and you can make Mario whatever you want it to be. Eh, yeah, to a certain extent, it's still going to be a Mario platformer no matter what you do. Yeah, but that's in a platform enough, sense, but, yeah. But yeah, so so do we have any other negatives that we want to talk about The Sims before we, we bring them head-to-head? I think we're good to bring them head-to-head. Okay, so how do you want to do this? We don't necessarily have a way to streamline this. So. <laughs> no, no, we're just talking it out. <laughs> yeah, here. I don't know how this is gonna work. Because um, yeah, there's there's um, arguments I think to to have it in both places. I mean, Mario is the version of video games that's very authored. It's the version of video games that's here's a created uh, thing that you are engaging in and you're playing around with within the parameters that they set. And The Sims is the opposite of that. It's the the created experience. It's we're going to largely give creation tools to the player, and you're going to create your own parameters. Yeah, I think that the one thing that separates both of these games, I think you'll agree with me, is story. That even in the multiple Mario universes where he's doing whatever it is he's doing, there is still a story campaign <laughs> mode in them. Yes, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. I think saying that Mario is the bastion of video game storytelling is a little... Oh, no, it is not the best thing. (laughs) I'm just saying it's the one thing that it has over The Sims. I mean, yes, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. That's why I I hesitate to use story, because really Mario doesn't have a story. No. What I I said is authored, because you can can author something and not necessarily have it have a story. You're telling a story through through the actual gameplay that you're playing. The... As the pretentious video game scholars call, it's ludonarrative design. Yeah. <laughs> that is super Drop that pretentious. knowledge on you. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's ludonarrative, which basically it means that gameplay told, like story told by the gameplay. And so, uh, whereas The Sims is, has that as well, but you are creating that narrative. You're right, but there's a difference between here's a mission and here's a, a narrative. And so, yeah, so, like, ultimately, I think it's hard to choose a winner in that department because they're two very different approaches that different people will like more than others. There will be people who want that authored experience. They want to be handed a thing and be like, beat this. They want that kind of challenge. They want that Mm -hmm. kind of experience from a video game. There's others who balk at that. There's others who are like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to challenge. I want to sit back and relax. And The Sims offers more opportunity for them. It gives them like, hey, I know you like to to create. Here's a thing. Here's a tool almost that you can create with. And then also there's a game you can play within that. So yeah, like I think that almost because of how many audiences that hits, as opposed to Mario's limited, even though wider than even most wider. audience, I think The Sims almost gets a point here. I think The Sims gets a point here because of its accessibility and how it does appeal uh, to a wider audience because of it. Hmm. I know. Didn't yeah. expect that. No, did not expect that from you. <laughs> it kind of came out from the conversation, though. It's like, I think that and maybe it's just where we're at this week with the, with the discourse, if you will, but I've been thinking about that accessibility a lot. And I think, yeah, I think that the things that Sims has done as a franchise has helped the industry as a whole like realize that games don't have to all be Mario. No, they don't. Um, anyways, but uh, as for what other points can we hit at here? Longevity. Uh, oh yeah, well, like, I guess we can talk about longevity. I mean, it, uh, Mario is limitless. Like Mario can be because he's so much of a blank slate. 
it can be put in any experience. And yeah, that means that Nintendo can, for years, decades, generations, they can continue putting Mario in whatever guise they want him to be. Then in, uh, as for The Sims, it's a little more difficult for them to do that. The Sims has like a, a breaking off point, but there's only so much you can do within that template of The Sims. And from what I understand is that they already butted against that in the second game. And so what they've done in response is that every release of The Sims, when the game comes out, like when Sims 4 base package came out, mm-hmm. it was, here's The Sims again, without all the accoutrement that we introduced later. And what they do is they reintroduce that stuff as the game's life cycle continues. Right. So like... For example, like there might be like a monsters expansion in Sims Three that people really loved because they could have their werewolves and their vampires and, and their game. Then when Sims Four came out, that was gone. But, but then later the they would do the monster expansion. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying is that there's a limit to the Sims. There's a limit where like they, that EA hit at some point where they were like, well, we've introduced all they can, all we can for this iteration. Like now we just have to do a new game. Right, but it is also like a once-per-console yeah. type of thing, it, it feels like. It is. It's a once-in-a-generation. They obviously wait, I think, until the technology gives them a reason to do a new version of The Sims, mm-hmm. which is why we don't have a fifth game yet. Right. But yeah, uh, but the, like what I'm saying is I think this is a point in Mario's direction, is that there's a legit longevity there because whatever video games becomes, Mario will change to fit it. Mario is chameleon. Does that mean we'll get a Mario Battle Royale? I don't know about that. <laughs> but it's possible. I mean, we have a Mario shooter in Mario vs. Rabbids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We did get that. Although that's more of a strategy game. It is. But but, uh, but yeah, like I think that that's a point in the Mario camp because The Sims just cannot compete. The Sims is one thing. Right, but it does that one thing pretty well. Right. Um, so what else can we hit on? I think maybe the, the, the pop culture mindset is something to consider here. A legacy, almost. A legacy? Mario is the symbol of video games, of course, but I think that there's a limit to that, in a way. I think there's a limit because as we define... That's only as we define video games. It's a very traditional kind of uh, image of of what a video game is. Mm -hmm. Like, even though Mario can be in anything, people will still see Mario that don't play video games and be like, oh, he's the one where you jump. Jump on things. He's he's the 8-bit jumper, throw pyros, maybe. Depending on what version you play. Right. Whereas, like, I think the, the, the... But, that being said, though, is, like, he has also become more than just a video game icon. He's just a straight-up icon. Well, like, he is. I mean, he him. appeared at the Olympics, and people recognized it because yeah. Japanese had the Olympics uh, next year. Yeah, the to- Tokyo. Tokyo Olympics. And so, yeah, and so, but the, the Sims, I think, is... It might seem universal, but I don't think it has that pop culture cachet, at least as much. Right. You you see the the Sims and you're like, okay, I know what that's it that is. You see the little green diamond and some people will recognize it, mm-hmm. but I don't think everyone will to the extent that people recognize Mario. I think if you see blue mustache or blue mustache, blue overalls and a mustache. Blue mustache. Wow, Mario's getting to dying. It's there. No. Uh, blue overalls and a mustache. You kind of instantly recognize. Oh, that is clearly Mario, and people dress up as Mario for <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. Constantly, year-round. You can dress up as a sim, but really all that dressing up as a sim means is having the little green triangle over you. Right. <laughs> Which some people say. may or may not get, but if you see a Mario costume... <laughs> so, yeah. but, but that's that, Then that is getting away from <laughs> of the video game. Yeah, it is, but I think it's important to the conversation when we talk about Mario. It is. Is that there's no way to ignore that. 
is that the importance that they're they're still they're still making media featuring Mario like there's still that Illumination movie that will feature Mario uh, because of how much of an icon he is beyond just video games and the Sims can't compete with that unfortunately. All right. So does that mean we're gonna put Mario through? Uh, I think ultimately, uh, like this arbitrary point system that I devised, uh, it does kind of point that direction. But yeah, it's hard not to because as much as the Sim has done, Sims has done to increase the audience of video games, there's no mistaking that Mario is video games. He mm-hmm. is he is an icon that represents what people think of when they think of the 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 the, the medium. Um, in a way that I don't think you have with other mediums. Like, if you, if I asked you to come up with one person that defines the movies, like one character, one on-screen character, could you do that? The Terminator. Really? To you? No. It would be Marty McFly <laughs> to me. Okay. And that's the thing, is that maybe to you is the key there, is that yeah. there isn't a universal. It would depend on who you are. Right, but I think like if you but say video games, though, Spielberg, not the case. But if you say the word Spielberg, you right. it's automatically Maybe. with Spielberg movies. Spielberg might be the, the closest we have then. Um, but, probably. But to a lot Disney? of people, no, Disney's every company, and that's the company. thing is that also Spielberg is somebody Hitchcock? who makes video games and not somebody who was featured. Yeah. Or sorry, movies and is not somebody who was featured in movies. Right. So it's it, yeah, it's like Meryl Streep. Well, that's just actor in general, though. Or like, yeah. or like books or music. It's like such, yeah. you can't just narrow it down to one thing as you can, like... I mean, maybe music, the Beatles. That's the closest you get. But, yes. but like, video games is, like, unique in the way you can say Mario to people. That's the thing. But anyways. Anyways, uh, so, uh, Mario, going through the next round? I think so. Okay. All right. Uh, All right, round Congratulations, one. Mario. Uh, moving on to the next one, uh, our next pairing is here. We have two shooters going against each other. Oh boy, I knew this was going to happen. Yep. Uh, one is a space, well, technically they're both space shooters, really. Uh, one is more cartoony violence than the other. Yes, that's uh, true. And I'm talking about Ratchet and Clank versus Halo. Both have several games in their franchise canon. Both have spin-offs in their franchise canon. Right. This is a different kind of conversation because this is going to get more into like I think we're going to talk about on- audience here, we're going to talk about like actual gameplay here. Well, I think it's a lot more fair because these <laughs> came around the same time. All right. 2000 2002. All right, what's the yeah. first one? Uh first one I have is Ratchet and Clank. Okay, so Ratchet and Clank, we already kind of like talked this to death. Uh, but during the Sony during pod- the Sony podcast, but yeah, Ratchet and Clank I think is underrated uh, for a lot of reasons. I think it's it's something that is both it's success- defining of the PS2 area era yes. in a lot of ways because it was way a way for Sony to be like, here's a shooting game that has the challenge of like a classic arcade game but with characters in a world that can be friendly to either newcomers or a younger audience. It fused two things that hadn't been fused before. It was a friendly shooter. <laughs> and, and, but it was deep, though. It was yeah. deceptively deep, like you were talking about in the, the Sony pod, about how much there was to do and upgrade and collect in those worlds. Mm. And it was more than just a shooting game. There was enough... There was, a, like, a complex... Like, complex levels of, like, things to complete. There's it was a complex leveling system, mm-hmm. not, uh, not just for the character, 
but for each weapon it introduced as well. And there was a lot of different lore bits thrown throughout the games that were sewn through that were sewn throughout the franchise and it was very fun, inter- interesting and memorable characters. I think that's one thing we didn't quite cover with Mario, but there are a lot of memorable characters yeah, in, in this franchise. That is true. Uh, and yeah, so it has it's a it's a game of two worlds. It's a game of, of, of well, a world it's it's of, a game of multiple worlds. Let's yeah, be honest, that's what I know what you mean. But like, it has that classic video game challenge, and it has that that uh, that that uh, ex- like warmth that you associate mm-hmm. with like an animated film that a lot right. of video games don't nail. It's a tone that video games just don't nail, and this series nails it. It's like a Looney Tunes esque yeah. platform shooter. It's Looney Tunes esque. It's almost. Pixar-esque in a way. In a way. Yeah, like, that. I mean, they put out an animated movie based on this these games because of how well it adheres to that. I could have seen an alternate universe. I could have seen in, like, the early 2000s an animated Series. show yeah. based on Ratchet and Clank. I think that would have been a big hit. It's, like, so... Uh, betw- like, it, it straddles that line between audiences so well that I think it's something that adults and children can really enjoy at the same time. Oh, definitely. And gameplay-wise, I mean, like you said, it's challenging, it's fun, it's addictive, just shooting through everything. Yeah. It's a simple game design, but it works because of its simplicity. Uh, because you're constantly... Um, there's You're constantly doing a... There's repetition, but it's a fun repetition, because you like you enjoy the explosions and trying out new weapons. Well, and that's and, the thing, is that each weapon is not... You want to cycle through all the weapons. Yeah, you want to it's try not like, things. oh, here's the new weapon. It's more powerful. But because you use old weapons that you get in the beginning, they get upgraded, so you constantly want to use them as well. There's a variety. There's a huge variety of weapons. That was actually one of their selling points yeah. um, in the commercials when this thing came out. Oh, yeah. And there's a joy to that variety, too. Mm-hmm. They, they, like, they make, the especially the later weapons in each of the games, ridiculous to the point where you just can't help but like, ha, look, look what this is. It shoots sheep. Yeah, there's a sheep laser, a sheep gun, a chicken gun. Uh, disco, disco gun. Disco grenade. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Making characters dancing. There's a creativity that you don't see in a lot of games mm-hmm. of this type. That's that's really like... It's, there's definitely a joy to it. Yes. And I think one of the joys that most real games, especially today kind of went away from, but I'm glad that Ratchet & Clank kept kept it throughout its franchise, which is cheat codes. And not just yeah. like cheat codes to advance the game, cheat codes to open up the world of the game, like big head mode, small mode, mini weapons, um, sepia tones. Yeah. It's, a, again, a part of the point, part of my point why it defines like that PS2 era, mm-hmm. because that's an era that's bygone now. Yeah, you don't have you don't see that kind of design in a modern game, um, but like and that's another. I think before we move on to the negatives, I think the first pot like the last positive I want to bring up is that it is so video gamey. It is. It is the most. It was it is one of the most video gamey video games that you, that franchises uh, that you'll you'll find. It just relishes in the ridiculous and the fun of it all that it doesn't it never tries to be self-serious like it's uh like it's compatriot uh, uh jack and daxter did yeah it never tries to be uh too adult or violent 
it never tries to be anything but fun and a, a fun arcadey video game. And it succeeds in that in yeah. spades. Negatives. Uh, Ratchet and Clank spinoffs. Uh, Not the, great. The, the, the Clank series. Uh, yeah. They were more relegated to the PSP, which we have to uh, relegate here. We the PSP. Have, yeah, that existed. Existed. Yeah, it, it's the expanded universe. It's not fair as well. Yes. Uh, Agent Clank, while it was a fun concept thrown in. It was not the traditional Ratchet and Clank game. No, it was more of a puzzle-based uh, platformer than the Ratchet and Clank shooter. That which, was. I mean, give them points for trying something different on a handheld held game, yeah. which was something a lot of people uh, didn't do on the PSP. No. Uh, but but still, like, if you're getting, getting something that is so radically different from your main franchise, a lot of people are not going to enjoy that. Um, uh, I think also... Um, I think um, it kind of went too serious when it transitioned to the PS3, to the the future uh, I mean, series. Maybe serious like, is not the the correct word, but I think maybe maybe talk like maybe it got more too complex. Yeah, uh, story complex kind of went mm-hmm. uh, in there. It also did the PSN exclusive games for a bit, and it while it didn't really advance the story as much, it kind of was supposed to. But didn't, mm-hmm. and they had to scrap it and start over. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing uh, that that's a definite negative for this franchise. It just kind of tailed off. It did. Like we don't know what's happening with with the series anymore. Unlike Mario and The Sims, these are games that maybe don't have that clear of a future. This is a game, especially a franchise, especially that's like now a giant question mark. We, they did the kind of reboot on PS4, and now we don't know if they're going to make another game. Insomniac is in a weird spot because they're now a multi-platform developer. Mm-hmm. They're now Their games appear on every platform now. Right, and they just got the big Spider-Man. They just did Spider-Man. Game. It's like that. There, there, there are things that just are more important and more pressing for them to do right now that, yeah, it just that their pr- priority is no longer Ratchet and Clank. So, yeah. Um, and the other another thing, uh, kind of the, the downside to that uh, accessibility audience thing here is that some people will see the gameplay as something that they want to try but some people will not like the character designs in the world people will be some people will be like no i want this space shooter kind of gameplay but i don't want to play around in a pixar movie like this there are people who like see that as abrasive yeah i mean they try and make it accessible and kid friendly i think it is supposed to uh top off at 10 <laughs> I don't, don't know about that. I, I would say maybe ten is the wheelhouse there. Actually, I think. Well, yeah. To to me, that is a like, the, the going for like maybe a seven to thirteen, like with because that's the. Oh era. no, I'm talking about like ESRB rating, like oh, teen. Oh, yeah. I don't think it goes ever into like the teen rating for it. Oh, uh, Deadlocked. I want to say. Actually, I think the first three games and Deadlocked were all teen, right? Uh, the Deadlocked was only one because those were all pre E10. Oh, they're all pre-E10? The so, E10 yeah. rating did not exist until the 2010s. Okay, so they may have been teens. So, probably. yeah, I think they were teen rated. And that's just because the SRB didn't have an equivalent to the E10 at that point. Okay. And so, yeah, I think they did go into teen rating territory, but only because the SRB is like, oh, you have guns and shooting? Automatic teen rating. But that has now changed. You, ha- I think now the, uh, the, the remake, I think especially, was an E10 game. Because right. now it's like, this is the rating this game was made for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, um, 
And then, yeah, that 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 is that is unfortunately uh, that 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 the fact that it does have uh, friendly animals in it is a uh, to, is a negative to some audiences. <laughs> so, anything uh, negative else that we need to get off uh, before? Uh, no, but let's talk. I mean, we'll talk about negatives some more yeah, as yeah. I think of them. Yeah. But let's talk about the other space shooter it's going against. Yes. Halo. Okay, this is almost feels like a little bit of an unfair comparison. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because we wouldn't have had Ration Click, I think, in a few ways if we didn't have Halo. So Halo is, I think it has the advantage of the capital I important right. that Ration Click doesn't. Because, yeah, it does establish the, the, what we call the console shooter. It established the twin stick a control layout it established the kind of design approach that you take when you make a console shooter as opposed to a pc shooter it actually gave us that differentiation for the first time maybe outside of cold and i but the, where we could finally say this is the difference between a console shooter and a uh, and a pc shooter it also uh with two and three defined how we approach deathmatch on a cons uh, on internet in a uh, online play shooter on consoles it changed a lot of things when you talk about the genre it's in, where it's on an almost different plane than Ratchet and Clank, at least in that way. But when you get down to it, the actual moment-to-moment gameplay isn't too different. No. They're both exploration games. They're both about shooting action. Their approach to shooting is a little different. Ratchet and Clank is more arcadey. Halo is more strategic. Halo puts you into a uh, almost like a battle playground and you have to decide, okay, what is my approach to this fight going to be? Am I going to try to flank them? Am I going to try to focus on grenades and far away combat? I'm going to try to get up them to them and melee them. Like, there's a lot more uh, strategy involved, especially in the higher difficulties of a Halo. Whereas Ratchet and Clank, it's more like waves of enemies, pow, 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 pow. And yeah, it's less about experimentation uh, with Halo. There are other weapons, but for the most part, there's, it's almost like an in and out menu. There's only like four or five, and you know exactly what all of them do, and you know what to cut, like, and they're all like going to be like available in different ways, and you know what to expect from all of them. Whereas in Ratchet and Clank, it's the discovery is part of the fun. So it's yeah, it's a different kind of approach to a shooter, moment to moment. Yeah, well, Ratchet and Clank is more of a platformer, right? Yeah, anything. it has more platformer. But, yeah, that mean that just means Halo takes itself. More seriously, because it is more yes. of a realistic-based shooter. It's well, it's realistic in a it's, sci-fi movie way. Yeah, it's it's Halo is is basically Bungie saying like we want to make this uh, not only like a sci-fi movie but like a sci-fi franchise like Alien. It's like it's very based on kind of aliens, especially uh, with like space marine concepts, with its vehicles, with its weapons, with even in some of its enemies. It takes a lot of cues from sci-fi. Uh, entertainment and uh, like that's why I think a lot of people do take its narrative and its lore seriously in a way that like you said Ratchet and Clank doesn't it's, it's very much like this world it's created it's very very self like it's very quote important lore is always happening in the games and there's a story to follow there are novels based on this universe yeah, and that's one thing that Halo does well mm-hmm. is not just telling you the lore but showing and telling you the lore it does have uh like a sense of 
epicness. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in the internet speak epic way, but like in the classical definition of the word. Well, e- even I mean, even when you start up a Halo game, that <laughs> odd, that ambience of a Ooh. chorus yeah. coming in just says <laughs> this is an epic experience you're about to have. Yeah, it's it's definitely from a different kind of uh, t- taking a different approach. Whereas Ratchet and Clank comes to, from the the game design of arc like the arcade kind of game design, where it's like this is the most video game a video game has ever video game. Halo <laughs> is the opposite. It's like trying to make things cinematic. It's trying mm-hmm. to make things uh, like sweeping and tell a sto- an important story. And it's trying to like present a gamey game as something beyond that. Right, and I think that's one thing that no other game video game we have talked about yet mm-hmm. is is video game art. Yeah, is video game cinematic. Right, and, and Halo yeah, that art was word is is tricky because yes. that will mean different things to different people. But yes, if you're defining that as a cinematic approach, then yes, Halo does that. Mm-hmm. Um, other positives, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, without Halo, we wouldn't have Microsoft. I think that Xbox, yeah, Xbox. kind of like died without that as a, right. a fresh. A flagship franchise. The success of Halo definitely buoyed the first Xbox in a lot of ways, and it get people talking about the system uh, that wouldn't have otherwise. And not just Xbox, but Xbox Online with Halo Two. And it gave us Bungie, of course. Bungie. Uh, I mean, obviously, Bungie was doing other things before that, like the strategy game Myth, the uh, the the PC shooter series uh, uh, Marathon. It's like Bungie existed. Oh yeah, don't forget. Uh, that, what was that shooter they made uh, published by Rockstar with, like, the anime girl? Oni? Oni. <laughs> so, yeah, like, there were other Bungie games before Halo, but it put Bungie on the map, and it's why they're important. And, of course, they would later do Destiny, which is yeah. now extremely important to the story of what video games have become. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's uh, there's a lot of legacy stuff to talk about with Halo, about it supports the Microsoft being a player in the video game industry, uh, the importance of shooters being on consoles, and, and I think the um, interest of people in the uh, larger entertainment spectrum uh, showing to video games. We already mentioned Steven Spielberg once this podcast, but Steven Spielberg has been a strong proponent of the Halo franchise and has said multiple times that that is what a franchise he is one that he plays and that he's interested in and at one time was trying to make a movie with. Well, uh, <laughs> movie-esque did eventually come out with uh, right. Tim, not Tim Duncan. But I know who you're talking about, the dude. Uh, who, uh, the, who eventually directed World of Warcraft. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, Duncan Jones. Duncan Jones. Yeah, Duncan Jones did the Halo yeah. movie intro. Yeah. For the spinoff. And I think that's a good segue to the <laughs> negatives of Halo, which is Halo Wars, Halo... So yeah, the others, out, outside others of the main shooter series, Halo has not had as uh, great of success. Also, later Halo games have not had as great of success. I think as time went on and uh, shooters on consoles got to be more specific and almost changed in a lot of ways after Call of Duty 4 mm-hmm. uh, kind of changed the paradigm, uh, you had later Halo releases just not making the impact that the original three did. And yeah, that that drop-off, especially after Bungie left the franchise, that drop-off of quality, I think, has affected a lot of people's way they think about Halo. It's not as big of a deal anymore. It's got that question mark, too, kind of just like uh, a Ratchet and Clank. We know that there's another Halo coming out, Halo Infinite, but we don't know what it is. We don't know what it's going to do. We already talked a lot about that on the Microsoft podcast. But uh, but yeah, that's a big that's a big negative is that when you start thinking about the expanded 
Halo like universe beyond those first three games, there's not a whole lot of high quality things there. I mean, there's definitely stuff out there for a Halo enthusiast, but it doesn't quite have that personal Halo fix that you're looking for. I mean, even Halo mm-hmm. Four didn't quite didn't get quite it get that. I, it's telling that I have not played four or five. Right. I played one through three. And that's even more telling that <laughs> Halo 5 is out. It's a thing. It's a game. But people don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I think another uh, possible negative is uh, that it's, well, maybe too much of that epic sci-fi tone that it's all, it's, it's really like. I don't know, it's too big? It's too big of a thing? Well, it never got too comic booky in which, like, you're getting yeah. superpowers or something. But it also never really expanded upon itself. Like, there's lore expansions. Like, there's, oh, there's other Halos out there in the universe. But it kind of felt like the same game in a sense. Yeah, and there's also diminishing returns whenever you tell a story in the Halo universe that's not about Master Chief. Right. I think people got, like, so uh, attached to that character that when they tried stuff like ODST and Reach, mm-hmm. like, some people really loved them, but there there were other people who were just like, well, it doesn't have my dude in it. It doesn't have the guy. It doesn't have the Halo guy. <laughs> As, like, Halo guy is not in this. I don't want to play this Halo game. And so, yeah, it's like, I think when they started to try to expand it and expand upon the universe, there are definite... Like diminishing returns that you get when you try to make a media uh, franchise boat. as opposed to just boat. a video game franchise, huh? A media boat. Yes, a media boat. That <laughs> like, <laughs> boat gets too big, it becomes harder to to flesh out a world or make it feel fleshed out. And so there are definite negatives of getting too much, uh, too epic on that epic scale. Right, and then going on top of that, have the weapons even evolved much? And that's the problem that some people see with the In-N-Out menu, is that, yeah, it's not there's not enough variety. Right, whereas Ratchet and Clank, here's 15 <laughs> weapons all the time, but they're always different. Yeah. Like, there's variations, but they're always different, they're always new. And there are definite, pl- definite pluses to that kind of thing. It's basically, it, the, the, the advantage to that kind of design is, like, we're going to give you limited tools so that way you have only a handful of ways to approach these things. But, yeah, it does, it does mean that... You're, you have very few choices. You're basically going into the combat and being like, am I going to bring in my rocket launcher and my needler? Am I going to bring in my assault rifle and my pistol? Like, how am I going to approach this? And there's really only a few different ways. Whereas, like, yeah, with Ratchet and Clank, it does give you kind of this smorgasbord of ridiculous weapons that you can mess around with. But really, that's not so much a negative positive as it is just a different kind of design approach. But yeah. If, if you're maybe expecting more variety, you would be disappointed by the, the things allowed. And they have expanded the weapon set for Halo as the franchise has gone on. So that's not saying that all the games are that limited. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, for, for the large large point of it, yeah, there isn't as much variety. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if we're going to put them uh, head-to-head against each other, like I said, Halo has the advantage when it to- comes to Legacy is that people are going to remember the Halo franchise as the thing that put the Xbox on the map. Mm-hmm. People are not going to remember Ratchet and Clank as that same for PS2 because there are so many other important PS2 franchises that it's just one of the myriad. It's not the one that you point at and be like, that one is important as much as Halo is. 
So that's a point in Halo's game, for sure. Right, but there's a bunch of variety when it comes to Ratchet and Clank. You can come from not having a... or having a limited shooter background or a limited video game background and understand what Ratchet and Clank is trying to tell you, yeah. how, to, how to upgrade, how to level up. It's yes. very simple, whereas Halo has no level-up system. No, it's a different kind of but thing. It's a different kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but to your point, accessibility and variety. Mm-hmm. Those are definite points in Ratchet and Clank's favor. Uh, Halo doesn't have the, quite the same kind of level of variety or accessibility. In fact, uh, also t- tying into this week's conversation about difficulty in video games, Halo was one of the most notorious at the time because even though the default difficulty was normal, they would always put in the menu, the difficulty menu, on heroic... The way it's meant to be played, unquote. <laughs> and that threw a lot of people off, including me. I would almost feel guilted into playing those Halo games on Heroic because they told you that. And it made them way harder for me than I maybe wanted or should have played them. And so later I would go back and switch to normal and actually have fun with them. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is that, like, it's, it's the... the it's the accessibility. It's almost kind of a gatekeepy kind of thing that they're doing with that, where they're like, "It's like, oh well, we expect you to be up here. Like us at the on the develop. Like we developers are up here. You should get up to our level. You should get good enough to play where we think you should play." Ratchet and Clank doesn't even try to do that. Ratchet no. and Clank is like, "No, we're a fun video game. Come and play this fun video game with us. We're not going to judge you." Uh, if you if you maybe die a few times, we're not going to punish you as much as a Halo game would. Right, I think Ratchet Clank was one of the first games to get rid of those life systems. Right, um, and they just spawn you just right back, spawn you right and back. back in the level, and it's just yep. pop, pop, you're back in, and it's it's way more fun in that in like the classic sense of the word uh, to do that than it is with Halo, where it's like, oh, did I checkpoint here? Did I quick save? Yeah. Uh oh, I don't remember. Oh shoot! I quick saved right when I was falling down a falling down a, a pit. Now I'm gonna infinitely fall down this pit forever. I had that happen. Which you did a lot on playing Halo One on the PC. I had that happen you. to me a lot. <laughs> I, I thought I was trying to quick load back yeah. in. I ended up quick saving. Or quick load back in the library when you have like all the floods surrounding you and you're yes. kind of like crap, crap, crap. As this door is opening, I've got all these flood and I keep loading the same save. So yeah, it's a different again. It's different philosophies, but yeah, the accessibility is important. When you're trying to show people who don't play video games a video game, you're going to show them Ratchet and Clank and not Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that so yeah, point in Ratchet and Clank's favor. Um, as for like pop culture, like 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 relevance though, Halo takes. it. I think Halo takes it. I mean, you have people walking around Comic Con wearing Halo Master Chief suits, people love Master and Chief. you can see that and go. That's Master Chief. That's Halo. Yep. It's iconic. Yeah, a lot of Master Chiefs, a lot of Cortanas. Yes. Uh, like uh, Ratchet Clanks, not as many. No, you're but... You're not going to see people cosplaying with, as Ratchet as much as you're going to see people cosplaying right. as the Halo game. Uh, and speaking of Cortana, even the name <laughs> of Cortana even crossed oh, over into Microsoft. Yes, we have to Microsoft. that. It would be weird if, like, in ten years, the legacy of Halo is no longer the video games, and, and instead it is, oh, the Microsoft lady. <laughs> Cortana, the Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, the, like, the, the the AI for Microsoft. It's funny to think of that 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 we that the Cortana name means something different than uh-huh. it used to now. Uh, so yeah, like that's definitely a, again a point in Halo's favor is that that recognition is is a big advantage. 
Uh, and yeah, the question about the future of both franchises uh, is also important to talk about. At least we know that there's a new Halo game, and at least we know that it will exist. Ratchet well, and Clank can't say the same. No. We don't know if that franchise has a future at all. We, uh, yeah, they, they, they tried they did that the movie, reboot. but... They tried the movie, they tried the reboot, maybe, but... They're not planning another movie, as far as we know. They're not planning, planning another game, as far as we know. We may be looking at a dead franchise. Mm-hmm. Or at least one that may not be rebooted for another. But here's the thing that ten years in the future. Right, but here's the thing <laughs> that may be good for uh, Ratchet Clank is that it is a franchise. Close parentheses. Yeah. Whereas with Halo, it's Microsoft could just keep trying to force it. But much like Mario, they're trying to force it everywhere. Yeah. The only question mark I think with Halo, besides the fact that we know that Infinite is coming out, is that Microsoft is a changing company right now. They're not so reliant on game franchises as they were with the Xbox 360. They are now a services company, or at least they're trying to pivot to be a services company and with their video game branch now. And so, yeah, it's it, the question is, is will they care about Halo beyond Infinite? Will they commit to Infinite in a way that they used to, or will they just put it out and instead commit to how they're currently committing, which is their game for, for gold, their, their game pass, their... PC initiatives that are like services as opposed to individual games. I don't know. That's a that's a question for future us to it is. to determine. But we need present us to, need to pick, pick a winner. winner. Uh, I mean, I think that just the fact that Halo created what we call a console shooter in the modern age, I think, gives it the edge. I think you're right. Yeah, I think uh, as much as we love Ratchet and Clank as a franchise, there's a reason why we talked about it is because. Yeah. It is something that people often overlook when they're talking about great video games, but I think because you have stuff like Halo and Mario, but I think that to not talk about it would be doing it a disservice because, yes, it is a video gamey video game, but it does that kind of thing better than a lot of things in its same kind of genre, same kind of uh, Especially the same kind of time period as well. So, yeah, uh, Halo wins, but I think barely, and based solely on its importance to the industry. I... I'd agree with that. Yeah. I think we right. with that. All right, so we've got an hour and talked about only four video games. Yeah, I expected that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we got another four up for you right, starting right now. <laughs> uh, first, all right, so uh, we have Mario and Halo moving on to the semifinals against yes. each other. Boy. That's one side of the bracket. Yeah. At least we can skip the first part of those convers- the conversation when we get and, there. And just go right into... Just go ahead to head. Yeah, go right ahead to head. we have two more. Oh, we have four more. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, two we, more matchups. We have two more matchups, four more video games to talk about. And we're talking about... First of all, we're going to talk about two different worlds. Okay. We have the world of Pokemon versus yes. the world of Warcraft. Oh, boy. All right. And that's why I put these two up against each Guns other. Guns out. Because this one's going to be brutal. Oh, okay. All if right. Want to talk about longevity? Both of these things have yes. longevity. Yes. If you want to talk about importance, both of these things are important. Okay, which one do you want to start with? Uh, I have Pokemon starting off first. So, Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon is, I think, on the Mario level. Uh, so, to, co- to talk about Pokemon is to talk about a lot more than just the video game franchise. Talking about Pokemon is to talk about the spinoffs, is to talk about the media empire, talk about the fact that it is the most money-making media franchise in the entire history of the world. More than, well, more than Star Wars? I think it beat Star Wars. Yeah, I think it finally beat Star Wars. Yeah. And so that's the kind of 
like massive. Yeah. When, when you got project. Pokemon compared to Star Wars, yeah. that that's the kind of level it's going up against. Right. It is beyond a video game. It is also a television show. It's a movie franchise that has now extended t- beyond twenty movies. There are more than twenty Pokemon movies at this point, and a one live action coming up. And a live action movie that doesn't even count in that list. It's no. Crazy. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that we were mere weeks away from seeing too. <laughs> to think about it that way, uh, but yeah, it's like it's crazy uh, how big it is, and um, that I almost I don't even know where to begin. Like, um, uh, so I think it's best to begin at the end, and we begin at the end with the beginning. What? I'm sorry, you just broke my brain. You're welcome. <laughs> no, we're not talking about Kingdom Hearts. Anyways. <laughs> That's for later. I know what you're doing. Um, anyways. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, as for the like the games, I think they're incredibly important games, but also they're incredibly fun games. And they're incredibly easy to get into. Yeah. Each game, each proper game, has a base tutorial uh, that, you go, that you go in. You get your yeah. starter Pokemon, you get your starter Pokeballs, and then you start exploring. Yeah, they're, they're, they're deceptively simple, and, uh, but because of how deep they are when you get really into it. There are people who get very uh, like, like simple, uh, very simple experience out of the main Pokemon games, and there are people who get extremely convoluted experiences with Pokemon games, depending on how much you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still an authored experience, unlike something like The Sims. It's very much a Japanese RPG in the, in the traditional sense. Uh, and it did a lot to popularize those. Oh, if we're pivoting to legacy now, like uh, it did a lot to popularize Japanese RPGs in a world where people were like, "Oh, is this Final Fantasy? Oh, is this Dragon Quest?" And like vaguely knew what those things were. But it brought those to a new audience. It brought those to children. It brought those games outside of the hardcore gaming otaku, if you will, uh, and instead uh, uh, brought it into like. Your cousin down the street. Yeah, I said otaku in 2019. What you got? Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> our, our audience is hilarious. Anyways. <laughs> 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 um, yes. Uh, the, like, it brought it to like where your cousin plays a Pokemon game. Your, your niece plays a Pokemon right. game. Like, and everybody it, it, plays hit at the, it hit at the right time where... Yes. Anime and that kind of Japanese culture influence yeah. was hitting it big in the U.S. It, of course, saved the Game Boy. Yes. The Game Boy in 1996 was a dead platform for all like all intents and purposes. Nintendo was going to like put like put out the Game Boy Pocket as like a second iteration, but arguably to basically see like okay, let's see if people will buy more of these things. It becomes such an institution; people forgot it existed. And then Pokemon breathed new life into it. Then they put out the Game Boy Color and kept iterating on the hardware, and the rest is history. Arguably, doing that also saved Nintendo. You mm-hmm. have to. It's weird to think about it now in the Switch era. It was also weird to think about this in the incredibly successful Wii era as well. But between the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, and the Wii, the company was not doing great. The N64 and the GameCube eras, even though they were successful in, in America, were big bombs in Japan. And all they had to, uh, to make that money up was, were their handheld consoles. And, and Pokemon was the reason why Nintendo still exists now. It's also why Pokemon 
mainly stays mm-hmm. on the handheld consoles. Yeah, it's 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 associated with handheld gaming for that reason. As the biggest Pokemon games up until this new Switch release of uh, Sword and Shield uh, later this year have been on handheld platforms. Well, do you want to say uh, let's go Eevee? Uh, that's Pikachu? not. I don't count that as a canonically gen, a canonical generation because it is a remake. And I want to say that as a good way for negative that the canonicity of Pokemon <laughs> games is super convoluted. I think yeah. there's like three or four timelines you're playing in. It, it's not something that they expect you to try to dissect. Just no. like with this is the case with a lot of Nintendo franchises. Nintendo doesn't want you to care about the Zelda, Mario, or Pokemon timelines. They just want those things to exist. Mm-hmm. They just want those things to be something you can jump in and not necessarily have to know a lot of lore about. But before we go into negatives, though, like just just the the, the I think one of the reasons and that I think that Pokemon is important has nothing to do with legacy or gameplay. One of the reasons why I think it's important on this and why I think personally it wins this entire bracket. Yeah, I'm gonna play this card now. Okay, is because it is it's in like it is such a media like it, it's such an interesting world. They've done such interesting world building and creation here that it is by far to me the most interesting universe of all these franchises that we're talking about. They created a world that is like this fantasy world that goes beyond like World of Warcraft, goes beyond Halo, goes beyond even Mario. It's like this thing that you can imagine living, like being living and breathing. You can imagine this universe full of people interacting with Pokemon. And it's one of the reasons why I think this Detective Pikachu movie is so fascinating. Is because here is a story being told in the world of Pokemon. Is if this world existed. You can't do that with Halo. Halo has the baggage of, oh, I guess in order to get people to see this, we have to have this about Master Chief. For Mario, it's like, oh, well, this has to be in the Mushroom Kingdom. This has to be a very specific kind of saving the princess, beating Bowser kind of story. With Pokemon, it's like, no, it's like, there are trainers. There are people, like, there, 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 there's, like, these, these, it's this living and breathing environment that these other video game franchises can't even get close to. Only the, like, biggest uh, fantasy franchises of larger media can meet that kind of thing. Like, your Lord of the Rings, your mm-hmm. Harry Potter's. I think Harry Potter is a good analog here. It is. It's this living, breathing world that people can tell stories about within and not necessarily be like have to adhere to the main characters. It, like, you can have wizzy, wizzy world stories of, in Harry Potter and release them as main temple movies. You right. can't do that with other franchises. Right. While, uh, while most franchises are adherent to their main character, mm-hmm. I think it's good that you bring up that, like, Star Wars... As spinoffs, you don't right. have to be here too. Star Wars, the, is a good Sky, as the well. Sky Wars, the Skywalker Saga. There's the Harry Potter where you don't have to adhere to just following Harry Potter. Yeah, you have to follow all these other stories. All these other people have living and breathing in this world right. that that you can follow and pay attention to. And that's super and that's, cool. And that's something in yeah. Pokemon as well. Even in the Pokemon games, not everyone you meet is a trainer. Yeah. There are people, there are breeders, there are scientists, there yeah. are gym leaders. If there's... you're talking about generational touchstones, I think Pokemon is our Star Wars. It is. Period. End of sentence. I think it's it, the way that people my age and my generation talk about Pokemon, it is like people talked about who grew up in the 70s talked about Star Wars. It's, it's, it's that kind of 
universe that we live in. It's like you have people that are freaking running for political office that are referencing Pokemon at this point. It's like that is where we're at. Well, it is well, in the DNA of people that are our age. I mean, it's it's that big. It's that influential. It's that yeah. important. Should we, we even talk about its we opponent? Need to, we need to talk about negatives, though, before okay. we move on. Negatives, yeah. The problem is it does have a little bit of the Mario problem, which is it, it does try to be everything to all people. There are a lot of spinoffs that are pieces of crap. There are huge... Which piece of crap would you like to talk off? Pokemon Pinball, shuffle, Pokemon Rumble, Sat, Pokemon Shuffle, Ranger, Rumble, Ranger, Coliseum. Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's just so many things that just did not work. And there's and, and yeah, it's because it's something that's so big, you're going to have that problem. But like also, I think it has the, 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 the problem of, like, of seeing too much like for, for kids. Is it does have that, that that childish nature to it? It's like here's all these cute fuzzy animals that we that we're that that we're playing around with. It's like yeah, people will look at that and be very dismissive of it. I think it also has the problem of maybe having too many Pokemon. You start <laughs> yes. off with one fifty, okay, then we introduce another hundred, and then now all of a sudden you skip a generation or two and you're up to seven fifty yeah. nine hundred. De- depending on how many they add in Sword and Shield, we're getting. You're scarily close to 1,000 to Pokemon. Yes. We're at 800 something, 800 and change, I think, at this point. So it is insane to think about just how many. And that is intimidating to people who are approaching the franchise new or people who lapsed and only really played the first generation. Those Gen 1ers, as the community calls them. Hi! Yeah, there are a lot of people who are just like, oh, none of that happened. All that matters is Pikachu and Eevee. And, like, that is also, like, a problem. It's like people just have such nostalgia for those first couple generations that they've just jumped off the ship and just, like, will not, will not, uh, like, cannot, cannot and will not appreciate what's, what the franchise became. Right, but at least that's something that Pokemon has addressed by doing the introduction of Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee. And even when they did Pokemon Go, yeah. they started with the base generation that everyone knows. Right, because they know that that's what the association with po- people pe- think Pokemon, they think of those first bunch of monsters, mm-hmm. which is fair. Uh, yeah, we didn't even touch on Pokemon Go, but no, like that but that's part has of the become Pokemon. its own like like pillar in the Pokemon franchise. It became a, something that... I guess honestly dismissed when it first came out, and I ended up being proven wrong about. Mm-hmm. Is that this? It has staying power that I didn't anticipate. It it's become this cultural phenomenon in a way within the cultural phenomenon of Pokemon. And so yeah, it's like it's it's the I think the yeah one of the negatives is is that yeah if you like depending on where you're coming from it is either extremely intimidating or extremely simplistic. Right at the same time, weirdly enough. Well, because you you can play. The same Pokemon game and just have a fun adventure, mm-hmm. or you could take the Pokemon that you captured and take them to tournaments. Super, super yeah. intense Pokemon tournaments. tournaments. Oh, uh, not just tournaments in the video game based, uh-huh. but also in the card game based Pokemon yes. tournaments. And that's the thing we did. I don't think we touched on very well. No, the cards. Is that there's a card game based for this as well? Well, yeah. That's the thing is that there's so much we we literally do not have the time to talk about every facet of the franchise. Uh, but yeah, I think that the cards thing touches upon a lot of people still see this as a fad that came and went. Mm-hmm. People still see this as a thing that was popular in the late 90s and is no longer relevant. 
Those are usually people who are older than we are, though. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it's like it will to some people it will always it will always look like this thing that that was for children in 1999. Relatively true. I mean, to some. it is to some, but it's still also something that continues to grow, continues to yeah. excite people. People yeah. are excited. Yeah. For Sword and Shield. Okay, we have to stop talking. All uh, right. So we need to start talking about World of Warcraft. Okay, so if you wanted to keep your child's virginity, you got a <laughs> World of Warcraft sick hat. Good lord, you had that ready in the chamber. Oh, yes. To go. Uh, so yeah, World of Warcraft in a lot of ways is like, kind of like Pokemon. It too it's... has created a world that people can live in and have lived in for the last 15 plus years. Mm-hmm. It's become uh, this this home away from home for a lot of people, and has continued to be so. And um, it's also something that was that was never and is never just one thing. I think as video games go, if we're talking about video games, and we are in this bracket, yes, it actually maybe has the importance um, uh, uh, advantage over Pokemon, whereas Pokemon did popularize the well alongside. I always have to put this asterisk because I know people will call me out for it. With, alongside Final Fantasy VII, because yes. yes, that was a year prior in the U.S., and it was equally as important and influential to get people on Japanese video games. But, Pokemon also did work for that as well. Uh, but, it, uh, World of Warcraft, on the other hand, did ostensibly create, what, uh, like, uh, modern, uh, uh, massively multiplayer online RPG. Yes, EverQuest predates it. Yes, people were really into that game, and they're are still people to this day playing that first ever quest. It just celebrated its 20th anniversary this year. Mm-hmm. But World of Warcraft was the one that mattered more. It was the one that people really saw as like, no, this is how you do a MMO. This is now the modern template for this. And yeah, it, be, it created a rabid fan base that existed until today. It created... Uh, uh, it was part of the reason why people go to BlizzCon every year. It's uh, created this this uh, pillar of the big Blizzard franchises alongside Diablo and StarCraft. It's gone far beyond the strategy games that it's based upon, the original Warcraft 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. It's became its own thing. It's became its own world. Yeah. It's important because of how, how much it said, this is how you do an MMO and there's no other way of doing it. And it did it right the first time. Yeah. That's incredible. There was no, oh, we, we fixed these in the updates. Well, right. it, to be fair, they are constantly doing updates. But it's not like, yeah. oh, we, we're fixing this in this new iteration. And it's the last one to do it as well as it did. And I mean that that but every MMO that's tried to take the throne ever since has that failed in not some way. Close. Or just hasn't gone up to the same level. The closest, I think, was the second attempt at a Star Wars MMO, which was the Old Republic. Right. Remember Galaxies? Yes. That was the first time they tried it, and it didn't work uh, as well. The Old Republic still exists because people at least liked it enough to stay on, but it's never going to get to the point of World of Warcraft. Nothing will. No. There's too many players in World of Warcraft. Yeah. Even players that fall off eventually... There's such an influx of new players mm-hmm. always coming to the game. I mean, less always, so than before. Well, less so than before, but I think they're they're over loss yeah. or they're they're new they're new to loss. Was it add, add the loss ratio? <laughs> I don't know business. It's yeah. add the loss. Yeah. 
the add to loss ratio is still yeah. Um, so they're still they're still good. They're still gaming. But yeah, and um, it, that's one thing that most games at the time didn't do, which was a subscription based model. Right. For for a game. Yes, um, it got people to be like, no, if you want to, if this you want this to be part of your life. This is going to require you to pay into it. You like this is a living, breathing thing that we are continuously developing. So here, like, help us out with that de- continuing development. This is not just one product. This is a continuing, like, t- a continuous evolving product, which I think did a lot to affect what video games have now become. All video games are now, well, not all video games, but a lot of the popular video games are now these living, breathing worlds that are constantly updated. And I think Mm -hmm. uh, the success of World of Warcraft proved that people were going to want that. People were actively going to engage in that. I think the essential base template of World of Warcraft kind of provided a lot for what would eventually become like Destiny or uh, Halo or what's the other one I'm thinking of? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of examples yeah. of that kind of gameplay affecting uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto non-online games yes. as well. Yes, Grand Theft Auto, GTA Online, yeah. even. Yes, definitely. Uh, those online modes wouldn't exist if it wasn't for that kind of uh, community that's sprouted upon up around World of Warcraft. All right, I think it also kind of established that oh, you're a computer gamer or like the the, the PC essence of a PC player. Yeah. Before we move on to uh, negatives, I do want to bring up to the actual gameplay of it. I think a lot of why a lot of people glommed onto it as much as they have. A lot of people love it so much is because part of the gameplay, besides just clicking on dudes until they die, part of the gameplay is a place to go and hang out with your friends. It's become a community in a way that a lot of games aren't. Mm-hmm. It's become it's it's less about like I'm playing this game for the challenge. It's more about I'm playing for this game for the challenge, but also to meet up with people I love to talk to and play with, to chat with them on our on our Ventrello server. To, people still do that. It's, still do that. It's, <laughs> it was, it's definitely and will always be a community game. Yes, uh, a game where you want to go because your friends are on there. Which is really cool because I think that things like this are uh, uh, video games have at least before this especially had a uh, a bad rap about being isolated like isolated experiences. And right. I think World the, of Warcraft is an example for you to say like no, this is people have met and married each other, like literally, very literally based on meeting each other, playing with each other in this game. Mm-hmm. It's created a community in real life. Anyways, anyways, we have to talk about negatives. First negative up front, especially for me. That monthly subscription is a huge barrier for entry for a lot of people. It definitely is. There's now a free-to-play version, from what I understand. There is. Start for the first such-and-such levels and uh, play the game for free. You play the game for free up to the first 20 levels. If you'd like to level up your character beyond that, which most of the quests, you have to be a certain level to do. At this point, the game is so designed towards people who have been there forever that you have to be at those high levels to engage in new content. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's that barrier for entry is big for a lot of people, me included. It's why I've never tried it, because I've always been like, well, I don't want to actually pay for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> so monthly, like, like, like I, I paid for the game, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I should get the whole game, not just, right. oh, I only have it for a month. month. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, another negative is it's just it's it's intimidating in a lot of ways because of how long it's been oh, yeah. and how much it's built for those older legacy players. It's not an easy thing to jump into and understand right away. You had to basically be there at the moment to really get the most out of the game when it came out, as opposed to coming in late. You're just never it's never going to be the same. And that is one of the negatives towards this yeah. game is that it it had a moment. It had its moment. It did largely in the uh, the public consciousness. Unlike Pokemon, it isn't something that matters as much in 2019 as it did in 19 in 2003 is when it came out, it was such a big deal. It established so much in in the world of MMOs that, yeah, it made an impact on popular culture. As we brought up in the, the PC podcast, you can't talk about World of Warcraft without talking about the South Park episode. And that's because that was the peak of its, of, of its pop culture like uh, prominence, is that people associated with, like, like, with it like being this thing everybody knew of to the point where yeah you could make t- episodes of television based on it yeah and I mean I literally watched that uh, South Park episode <laughs> last week yeah because it was on and then uh, my roommate walks in and yeah. and he goes oh this is the best episode ever because he instantly recognized that's World of Warcraft on right. screen I know what that is and that's Something you most likely can't get away with in most franchises of just yeah. putting the actual video game on screen. Yeah, it does. It, it, it had its moment, but that moment is largely over. You can't make references to World of Warcraft anymore, because, like at least in a mainstream like sitcom, because nobody's going to know what the hell you're talking about anymore. It's like it had its moment. Mm-hmm. That moment's over. Like The people who are still stuck with it are the people who are playing it back then, largely. Right, but... If you say, oh, I play PC games, one of the first games people are going to ask you is, oh, so you play World of Warcraft then. At least yeah, that maybe. was in then. Maybe yeah. it's now switched over to, to play League of Legends. Yeah, it's probably switched to League of Legends now. And yeah, that's the other thing is that to talk about uh, World of Warcraft is also talk about the dwindling popularity of the MMO. Right. Uh, we have to say that, yeah, the kind of game that this is, people just aren't playing as much of anymore. MMOs have uh, kind of taken the backseat to uh, the, what do you call the League of Legends games? There's a name for them. MOBAs. MOBAs. For MOBAs. Uh, MOBAs shooters are now so much more popular than they used to be that people on PCs are playing, they're playing Overwatch, they're playing League of Legends, they're playing uh, Dota. They're not necessarily playing MMOs anymore as much as they used to. It's just not in the grand scheme of video game genres. In 2019, it is not in the top ten anymore. Right. People don't care about them as much. Yeah, well, it has died off. I mean... And that's the other thing. That's the other thing. It itself has has had diminishing returns. Um, They will update uh, World of Warcraft every once in a while, but it just doesn't have... uh, Even the players are not as psyched as they used to be when new updates come out. This last update that came out... Uh, that was revealed at BlizzCon last year uh, was kind of, kind of just came out and sputtered. Pe- even super fans were underwhelmed. Were very quick to say how underwhelming it was and how there was a lack of really important cool things because it's just they just didn't. Have, it doesn't have that shine that you. Right, but I think that's more in line of Blizzard 
not supporting the game as much as they used to. They have other properties under the Blizzard umbrella now. Um, they have Blizzard's Battle.net. They have Overwatch. They have StarCraft. Right. It's not even a priority for the company that makes it right. anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, lol. Lol. <laughs> so, it's, it's going into that lol. Wow and lol. Wow and lol. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, lol. Uh, so yeah, uh, let's let's start uh, putting them up against each other. So yeah, like, wait, well, do we have to put them up against each other? We have to. I mean, yes, there's an obvious winner here, but we have to do our di- diligence. All right. So there's the, so for yeah, the legacy they both have an important uh, impact on pop culture. The difference though is that Pokemon continues to Detective Pikachu comes out in a month. There's no se- sequel to Warcraft though. That's for sure. The movie Warcraft. Yep. So it's yeah, it's just it's they're different. Uh, there are different moments culturally, uh, as a, as of this recording, and World of Warcraft may never get back up to that place. Especially as video game as video games as a medium are changing and getting away from the kind of game that WoW was in two thousand three. No. Um, additionally, like gameplay wise, like yeah, additionally gameplay wise, it's <laughs> it's not. Um, I mean, it's still that community experience, but then again. So is Pokemon. Yeah. Pokemon Go has that community experience now. It got there. It, it got took there. a long time. And the thing, because I remember back when World of Warcraft was the biggest thing in video games, people constantly said how much they wanted an MMO Pokemon game. People were talking about, like, oh, the dream Pokemon game would be one if you were, like, playing online and fought real people, uh, uh, fought against real people and, like, met real people on the way to, like, gems and stuff. They did that in the way that nobody anticipated they were going to do that, and it was Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. It, and it's, it's super successful. It wasn't a classic it's Pokemon a, game. It but. made a billion dollars a month. <laughs> right. Think about it. A billion dollars That's a like month. That's like a million a minute. A million a minute. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, um, it was a different thing. Uh, but like, yeah, and so like, you can't really necessarily say that about World of Warcraft. It, like it had, it, yeah, it just did its thing and is not necessarily. Uh, with the amount of players, I'm sure it makes a billion. <laughs> maybe, or, or but maybe. it probably doesn't make as much money as it definitely did last the, right. before when it was popular. Um, additionally, uh, just like variety, like World of Warcraft is an MMO, but it's basically one thing. Pokemon is a lot of things. It, there are puzzle games. There are uh, there are. Uh, there's the main RPGs. There are they're, they're in fighting games. There's there, pinball. There's, um, there's pinball. There's strategy. There's yeah, the strategy games. There's dungeon there's, crawler there's, games. There's there's a lot of different things you can do within the Pokemon world that you can't do within World of Warcraft, uh, and it's way more accessible too. Like you can play a Pokemon game and get the gist of it, whereas there's a like I said a big barrier of entry getting into World of Warcraft at all. So yeah. I think what we're getting at is that there's really no comparison. There's a winner here. Well, uh, when you start off a sentence saying, I'm going to throw the gauntlet down right. and declare this bigger than I really Star think Wars. this is big. Uh, this is the biggest thing on this list. But yeah, I think that, yeah, World of Warcraft, it's in this conversation because it mattered. That's past tense. Yes. Matter past yeah. tense, and that's why we can't put it forward. Because much yeah. like with Ratchet and Clank, it kind of feels like an end to it. Yeah, it has a definitive end parentheses. It, it 
even as, though, even as though people in the sure. Twitter sphere like to say, uh, World of Warcraft walked so so that all these other new games can run. You know, it's like it's yeah. that kind of thing. It's like it's important because it did its thing and changed the industry. But Pokemon didn't only help change some things in the industry, but also continues to do so. Yeah. So yeah, Pokemon. Okay, so Pokemon is moving on. Yes. Who could have called that? I know. We have one more matchup in the lower lowest bracket here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, this may be the lowest bracket, but, but these are not low by any means. No, they're not. No. Uh, so, we're going to talk about G.O.W. versus G.O.W. Okay, alright. This is going to be a weird one. Yes. Uh, that's really the only reason these two are paired up together. But also because these are two... Probably the most mature games on this list. 100%, yes. <laughs> you cannot show your niece who plays Pokemon these games. Uh, no, uh, for two <laughs> different reasons, but yes. Blood and Gore being the main one. The main one. Uh, Which one are you going to talk about first? All right, we're going to talk, talk about G.O.W. first. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> uh, well, let's see. We did uh, Microsoft first. Uh, we're going to talk about Gears of War first. Here. All right. So Gears is interesting on this list because we've already talked about Halo. Gears of War, of course, wouldn't exist without Halo. Yes. Gears of War uh, does is basically Microsoft's second attempt at doing a big franchise shooter. And franchise by every meaning of the word. They tried to make Gears of War a thing that mattered beyond video games. They tried to market it on television with a huge media blitz. They tried to put out novels that fleshed out the story of the characters in the world. They tried to make it their next Halo for when the 360 launched because Halo 3 wasn't ready at launch. Mm -hmm. So they needed a thing to plug in that they could be like, no, this is our big first-party game franchise that matters. This is why you're buying the console. Yeah, and it worked. At the time, it was one of the most, like, impressive visual like visually impressive games of its time it ushered in the hd era of video games by showing just how detailed and how good things would look in the unreal engine 3 it popularized the third person shooter in a way that lasted for an entire generation like think back to the 360 generation how many games did the gears of war thing sony's uncharted even resistance, was one of them. resistance, follow me, was one of that them. was first person, but but no, one time no, no, um, kill zone was no, also first person. First person. You're, you're, you're messing up my theory here. Oh. No, like uncharted was third person. Your army of twos, your uh, uh, your frickin', um, what's that other game called? Uncharted, that was like uh, army of two. Uh, Oh, uh, Brothers of Arms. No, no. Uh, Battlefield. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> no, never mind. Call of Duty. This isn't working out because I can't think of proper nouns. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, like it, it was a thing for a while. Game, game franchises switched to being third person. You could make an argument, though, that a game that predated it, Resident Evil 4, also did a lot to popularize the third person shooter. Mm -hmm. But Gears of War was its mainstream moment, for sure. It was like, this is how we're making... You don't have to necessarily make a first-person shooter like like your shooter game on a console first-person anymore. This is the template to make a third-person shooter a cover-based thing. And a lot of developers went to that as their new template. And that was the one thing that made Gears of War stand out was yes. that you could take cover. Yes. You could shoot around cover. Uh, that and a chainsaw gun. Yeah, and it doesn't help that, that yeah, it doesn't hurt that there's a chainsaw gun. That you can get up close to your enemy and literally saw them in half. Also, kind of a point in the the Gears of War camp here is that uh, 
that even though it has this like this guise of like this super macho like super epic violent thing that was very 2006 yes it also though had a character and characters in world that did actually interest people in the way that the halo world did there were a lot of people that I knew personally who were invested in these characters and liked these characters and these personalities more than you would think such a gray, drab world would allow. Um, so as much as like on the outside it looked like this uninteresting thing, there were people who cared when, say, Dom's wife dies at the hands of the Locust in Gears of War 2. Or in three, where they kill off Dom himself. Mm-hmm. Like, there were important uh, th- things that wouldn't have played as well if the games, if people didn't actually like that universe, didn't actually care about the characters. Right, the, the, the emotional re- renaissance. Re- resonance. resonance. It wouldn't have resonated Resident. as much if people didn't actually care, and people did. They pulled that off in a way that nobody thought they could. Right, that's because it's great storytelling. Mm-hmm. You're able to invest in these characters on their journey. Yeah. And because it is, even though it is third-person look like camera agent, it's still a first-person story much. I mean, yeah, like Mar- Marcus Phoenix, of course, uh, the uh, played by one of our favorites, uh, uh John DiMaggio, mm-hmm. like like he, he was he's a recognizable character in video games. Like people know him when they hear him, or when they see him. Like those character designs, even though completely ridiculous, are very like iconic. People recognize the big no neck super soldiers with their freaking chainsaw guns because it was it's very like yes of its time, but it was very unique. People recognize the. Uh, Gears of War logo. People have stickers of Gears of War logo yeah. on their car still. Still. I see. We're riding around. Which is a good point. It's still a continuing franchise. They announced Gears of War 5 last year's E3. Mm-hmm. That is supposedly still coming out later this year. Um, that game is happening. And so the, the and they, they did what they started in 4, the, the last game, was here are new characters to like breathe new life into this story. Like, and now it's following these new, inter- also very interesting characters in this universe. Um, and yeah, like, they're continuing it. It keeps going. It's not dead. It's like, it's very much uh, still an engaged thing. And also, before we move into the, the negatives, I want to bring, out, uh, bring up how it popularized the, uh, the, the horde mode oh, in yes. shooters. Which we we talked about horde. this uh, in the Microsoft. We did. But it's... It's that important. It was. It was really important, basically, uh, to, to show that this is a way where you can do co-op, uh, both in your campaign and outside your campaign. Well, that's one thing we didn't mention, that yeah. it's got a great co-op mode. Right, yeah, it did popularize co-op modes in those games as well, early on in that generation. Right, not just a co-op couch play, but co-op online. Alright, to go through the negatives, though, uh, real quick... You definitely have that, that, that macho, violent atmosphere is definitely not for everybody. Oh, no. It, I mean, looking at that game, it immediately turned me off because it's yeah. these over-the-top, super, like, 80s action-looking <laughs> yeah. characters with huge weapons, huge huge guns, huge arms, and, and yeah. huge, like everything just seemed bigger, and so it felt bigger and clunkier. Which is surprisingly opposite because it moved kind of smooth. Yeah, it did. But the attitude of the game, I think, is, yeah, it turned a lot of people off. And it does kind of, uh, it's an example of the attitude of that era of video games. Which was, we're going to make this the most hardcore stuff that you've ever played. This is, this is for 
best players only kind of thing. And the multiplayer mode does play that out as it's ridiculously difficult to get into for beginners. Um, it's it's definitely not beginner friendly. It's definitely not friendly to younger audiences. It's this thing that Microsoft was definitely like, no, we're making this for adults. This is 100% for adult audiences. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, is not the most uh, uh, forward thinking, not the most in, in, uh, inviting atmosphere for a game series. No, but at least it knew what kind of audience it was. It didn't have to tiptoe the line of, oh, make this teen, make this sim. No, it's like, we're going to go all the way. Yeah. But then again, by going all the way, you automatically eliminate yes. most of your audience yeah. until yeah. they, you know, become of age to purchase it or play it or allow their mom to play it. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, it was it was definitely one of the, definitely one of those things like at its time where it's like, nope, this is definitely for one audience, one audience only, which is limiting. Um, also, I think that yeah, it's it's that that kind of brand of third person cover based shooter no longer in vogue. Not too dissimilar from World of Warcraft in a way, where it's like it's a genre that it popularized and that had its moment in uh, in, it, in the video game world. Now those games barely exist, or if they do, that kind of gameplay is um, attached to a bigger kind of design. The most relevant, currently relevant example of this is U- Ubisoft's The Division. Right. The Division Two just came out a couple weeks ago. That is, yes, a third-person cover-based shooter. But it's one that has online hooks and is all about picking up loot. And it does so much other things that that genre basically has left Gears of War behind. Which is why a lot of people maybe tried Gears of War 4 when it came out uh, a couple of years ago, but maybe didn't like it as much as the first game, first three games, because that era of shooter is basically over. I kind of always assimilate, uh, Gears, of, uh, assimilate <laughs> Gears of War. <laughs> With the Doom franchise. They're similar. The over-the-top over violence, yep. the linear game design. Yeah, there's some similarities there, for sure. Also, uh, the, yeah, the, there's, some, there's some actual crossover there. There's some DNA from the, the guys from id over, in, uh, over at Epic. Epic was basically making Unreal Tournament as a competitor to uh, <laughs> the Quake games. Right. So, yeah, there's some similarities, for sure. Yeah. But uh, because this is an epic game, I'm not sure how much outside of the <laughs> five, Gears of War five, yeah. is going to continue because Epic is kind of going into that Epic Game Store in Fortnite. Right. That is an important point. As of this year, 2019, we were doing this, Epic is becoming a bit much different company than they were back in the Gears of War days. Right. And much like with Blizzard and uh, World of Warcraft... It may be skewing away from what yeah. made it become its flagship. And lastly, I hit on this just really briefly, but like before we move into the next game, we should talk about like just the game design a little bit. Yes, it did popularize co-op, but outside of the co-op stuff, the design of these games were incredibly linear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, that's definitely a negative for a lot of people looking for more of an exploratory kind of Halo kind of game. This is not that. This is very much like they're going to funnel you to one thing. You're going to get to a place and know immediately that it's a combat zone. Which, yes, I know the Uncharted games have the same problem in a lot of ways. Yes. But yeah, it's like it's just it does one thing and it funnels you in a way that a lot of people do not care for. Uh, okay, we should move on to the, the to, next game. To, so we're going to get out of Gears of War and talk yes. about uh, G.O.W.? Yes, the other G.O.W. All right, the other G.O.W. in this tournament. Uh, that is Sony's. God of War. 
So God of War. God of War is interesting. Um, <laughs> when this thing came out, it was a single story. It was based in Greek mythology about becoming the god of war, taking down Ares and getting revenge, vengeance. Revenge is a huge story in this thing. This thing was actually supposed to be a Mm one-off by Santa Monica Studios. But because of the pantheon of Greek mythology and people loving this thing... And the popularity of the game. And the popularity of the game, it spawned into this... 10 game franchise, I want to say? Something like that, Something yeah. like that. So I'm including there. the mobiles here. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, God of War is more than just a hack and slash. It is story-based, it is revenge-based games. It is tearing your opponents in half. Not with the chainsaw, like <laughs> the other one, but literally and physically with your yes. bare hands, tearing an opponent in half. Yeah, God of War is interesting because in 2005 when it came out, yeah. um, it was, one, at the tail end of the PS2's life cycle. The three, PS3 would be out the following year. Uh, two, it was at uh, the tail end of, I think, the, uh, the popularity of the character action game, which mm-hmm. is very much a part of that genre. It was, like, after the first, I think, all three of the Devil May Cry games. Yeah. The first three. It was then after that... Uh, not necessarily maybe after it peaks, because I, in my opinion, it peaks at Bayonetta. But that franchise, <laughs> that, or sorry, that genre, was not necessarily as popular as it had been in the previous years. So it was kind of coming at the tail end of all of these things. But because of how much it was a new approach at that kind of game, and also how beautiful it looked on the aging PS2, mm-hmm. people immediately attached themselves to it. And it was an uproarious success because of it. And they just kept iterating it. And by the time you get to God of War 2, then it was basically squeezing all the power out of the PlayStation 2 that was left. And it was the best-looking game of its time. Then God of War 3 did the same thing again for the PS3, but early on, where they were like, no, this is what you can do with this console. This is going to be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Well, it's funny, because in the demo, uh, in the original tech demo for God of War 3, they had rendered Kratos and said Mm. it would take, like, 10, 10 to 15 PS2s to, to render just Kratos himself on the PS3. They, not, I'm going to say the studio mainly, uh, Santa Monica, uh, pushed the boundaries of each console. Not yeah. just the PS2 console, and not just the PS3 console, but the PS4 as well. And right. yes, this is, a gen- this is a franchise that has spanned three different, well, four yeah. different consoles. Yes. PSP included. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a staying power, I think, is because of how that, that genre, even though it did have like its popularity peak, it hasn't necessarily uh, gone away. It's always kind of been boiling underneath, unlike that cover shooter, which kind of had its time and now has largely disappeared. Mm-hmm. Character action game is still popular to the point where you are right now playing Devil May Cry 5, the most recent iteration of that kind yeah. of game, and there's still new ideas, new things to have come out of it. I mean, an entire developer is now, basically, their name is now associated with the character action game, Platinum. Mm-hmm. Platinum with the, the Bayonetta games, but not only that. They basically made that genre matter in this past generation of consoles just as much as it did before. And so, yeah, Gears of War is based on a template that still works and still works well. Um, and, yeah, I think that when, when you're getting at... Uh, uh, the, the story elements of it, I think that's one of the reasons why it has more staying power than those other similar games, 
is because it is telling these uh, these classic mythological stories, and it does have a recogniz- recognizable iconic star in Kratos. Right, and I think because Kratos himself is iconic, not just in its name, but in his design, his white ash design, his red mark design, mm-hmm. bald design. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> he's bald. He's bald. How many? Bald. Other, how many other major characters can you say are bald? Yes. Um, just, just the beard, his gruff, his voice, his mannerisms. Yeah. Of course. It's, before we talk about the negatives, though, the last thing I want to talk about is the reboot. This yes. is the only franchise that I can like think of, like off the top of my head, that has done a reboot as well as it has. As like, successful. It, it was. I'd it, say Mario when it transitioned from two D to three D. Yeah, but that's not a even a reboot. That's just a sequel. This is them basically saying, like, yeah, you thought this thing was dead. You thought this was like a kind of game that you couldn't make anymore. We're gonna literally rebuild it from the ground up. We're going to make it a completely different thing, and probably. Make it the best game in the series as a result. And not just that, but put it in a mythology that most people aren't that familiar with in Norse mythology. Yeah. I mean, granted, Thor and that pantheon of cinematic films kind of gives people an introduction to it, but God of War goes deep into that. To me, the reason why this is on this God of War is on this list is because of this new game. Mm-hmm. It's because the new game proved that there were things that were important and vital about that original series, and modernized it and made it work in a modern uh, context in a way that the other franchises that they have tried to reboot in a lot of uh, similar ways have not worked out. Well, that's because the God of War, this this new one, had changed its formula, yeah. um, whereas the first three. Uh, three main God Wars uh, were platformers in a sense. They were action-based platformers, fixed camera angles. Right. This new one ditched all that for a more open-world yeah. environment. it's an open-world game. Straight yeah. up. I mean, it took the Skyrim formula basically and made it a God of War game. You still have the over-the-top action, the violence, but within that over-the-topness, is also a grounded, rooted story between Kratos and his son, Atreus. Right. And that's one thing that God of War has done well and will continue to do well, is its story, is right. its lore-based action. Of course. You have to now pivot to negatives. Okay. And the downside of the stories that it tells and the atmosphere it gives off is that it also kind of falls into the Gears of War hole, which is it's going so much for that older audience, for that mature audience, that... It went too far in a lot of ways in that way direction that probably wasn't good. That that now looks really weird. It does. But at the time even seemed a little exploitative and like ridiculous. Like the stuff with the, like the sex mini games <laughs> and the topless women everywhere and, and a lot of the violence was just like, Alright, you're just doing this because you can. It was a lot of we're doing this because we can get away with it. Well, it was, especially in the third game. It the that um sex scene was actually a side thing you could easily miss. Right. But. But it's still there. It was in all the, like, the write-ups about the game. It was very clearly, like, part of the game to the point where, like, they knew that people were interested in it. Literally. Because of it. So, literally, the second mission in the game is that scene. Yeah. 
It's the way, it, and I get why you would do it because yeah. it establishes a tone really, oh, yeah. like really immediately. It like this is who Kratos is. He likes to rip people's heads off, and he likes to bone. He he's a man's man. Right. He destroys yeah. a Hydra and gets with women. Yeah, and so that maybe doesn't play as well in 2019 as it does back then. But no. I think the reason, like, but I think that one of the most impressive things about the reboot is is that they're. They're able to recalibrate the character of Kratos without having to use those things as a, as a crutch and still make him seem like mm-hmm. like a crazy macho dude. Like, but in a way, but in a modern way where it's less about masculinity, at least less about these traditional forms of masculinity as much as it is just being an honorable stand-up dude right. who has anger issues, which is basically what he's become. And so, yeah, it's like, so, but, but yeah, the downside is if we are taking this franchise as a whole, it's not just that most recent game. And there are a lot of elements that were just like cheesy, like, like gratuitous and just like over the top in a bad way. I mean, you're, you're, you're killing Greek gods here. The, yeah. there, there's only one way to kill a god and that is <laughs> over the top way. Literally, yeah. you rip someone's head off. And use it to carry around. I'm just saying that that is limiting to your audience in a way like we discussed with Gears of War. Yeah. Uh, but, anyways, but that's not the only negative. It. No. There are other negatives with just the kind of game that it is. is not super uh, beginner-friendly. A lot of people will, like, like we're not fans of, like, the, the combat in those, those God of War games. A lot it, of people did not find them, like, challenging. engaging. Engaging or challenging. Sometimes yeah. it was... Press and hold square at right. times. It was just smash, 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 basically. Yeah. Which is not everybody's thing. They, like Some people like a little bit more methodical kind of gameplay. Uh, this is not that. This is definitely like an action game in the purest sense of the, of the word. Which means that, yeah, people who want a more thought-provoking experience are not going to get that from either the gameplay or the story in God of War. <laughs> this is not a thinker. This is uh, at least not until the more recent game. And I think maybe it's a little bit more of that. There are no real, like, hardcore puzzles here. It's not a, that kind of game. Uh, but, that being said, there are puzzle There's elements something. within out all the games. Yeah. There's definitely puzzle-based, especially in the third game when you get into Pan, Pandora's Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, or Pan's Labyrinth. Ha, Pan's eh, Labyrinth. That's something else. That is something else. Uh, yeah, it's like, there, there's, there's just, yeah. The, and plus Kratos, like, up into this most recent game, he wasn't the most interesting character. No, he's very... He has one mode. He's one angry. Mode. Angry and revenge. Yeah. But that's what made this reboot kind of interesting is, okay, you got your revenge. <laughs> right. Now you now have what? a family. Now what? Now what What else story is there to tell? Right. And yeah, I think it was good that they had that challenge because I think it did let them explore that character more than they ever did mm-hmm. in the earlier games. It was a way to approach him as an actual character as opposed to just this 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 avatar of anger, which is what he <laughs> essentially was yeah. in those games. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a good way for people to get out their anger. Yeah, I guess, but in in a not necessarily a healthy way. About doing yeah, there it. was a catharsis to it for yeah. sure. But yeah, it's definitely like not everybody's cup of tea because of that. All right, head to head. Oh, head to head. Yeah. Oh. Time. Okay. Head to head. While Gears of War has done plenty of good stuff, and definitely did good stuff for the shooters. Yeah. I there's a reason I'm putting this first in front of God of War. Yeah. Because God of War has to take this. Okay. Well, we need to like think about this a little more. Okay. So so yeah, so about their respective genres. 
they both did things within the the the, the genre that like interpreted them in new creative ways especially god of war with the reboot um i think that gears of war though maybe has an advantage here because it didn't necessarily just evolve on an existing genre it perfected it for an entire generation it like established so this is how you do the cover shooter this is how this works uh god of war maybe did maybe did a little bit of that but people still will say like oh character action games bayonetta they'll still say devil may cry God of War is on that list, but until the reboot, it was maybe not every anybody's favorite character action game. Well, no, that's because the character himself, yeah. like like we said, had one mode, and that is revenge. There was no real complex complexity to him. Yeah, um, there were the PSP games, which we didn't even get into yeah, for good that, reason. For good reason. <laughs> That tried to flesh out the character more, make him have more of a backstory, like, introduced a brother t- into that series. There's only so much you can do. Yeah, but there's only so much you can do because of the main titles. And the main series never really acknowledged or even mentioned those yeah. kind of other games. If we're talking about story, I think it's interesting that we compare the two. Uh, because, yeah, like God of War, yeah, you do have kind of like this pretty linear kind of thing going on. Up until the reboot, it's always the, the caveat. Right. Uh, but Gears of War, like, they were trying dramatic things, and like I said, that were largely successful. They were trying to make it matter in a way that God of War really didn't. Uh, like, they would try, but they were largely based on these existing Greek mythology. Gears of War was using these, like, science fiction tropes, but, like, doing it in a unique way. The wrench, though, is the God of War reboot does all those things, better than Gears of War ever did. And so that's why it's a hard comparison for me, is because you have the early games, which Gears of War did so well, so much better narrative-wise, but then the God of War reboot blows all of that out of the water and does it so effortlessly that it's better than those are. So it's like... But that's the thing, though, that as as time goes on, we will ostensibly get bigger and better games because people will learn from past games, past mistakes... They will retool, refine, right. reboot, and re-engineer, and even reimagine. But games. I have a feeling, though, that as the like knowing from the, about the story of Gears of War four, as I as I do, like I think Gears of War five is not going to do anything remotely to the kind of like important like narrative uh, level that God of War did. Is what I'm saying. I think I don't think even though it is going to be after God of War, I don't think it's going to beat God of War in narrative design. Well, not just that, but God of War will for sure have a sequel. Whether it will be on this life cycle oh, or right. the next, it will definitely is, um, is up in the air. But there is so much more of that world to explore. So yeah. much of that. Norse pantheon yeah. to explore. I think that reboot didn't doesn't exist. This conversation wouldn't even happen. Yes, I think. Oh no! If that reboot did not exist, God of War would not be here. Yeah, but also I think that. But but I think the flip side of that is that because that reboot exists, I actually think God of War wins, because Gears of War, as good as it is, at its time, it's just not as relevant. It doesn't play as well anymore as it used to. Gears of War 4 is fine. People liked it, but it wasn't a tentpole release in the way that Microsoft wanted it to be. I don't think 5 will be that either. I think that within that template, there are cool things you can do, but I do not think we'll see the shift as much as we did with God of War's reboot. And I think that that, just how promising the future of that franchise is uh, does 
like like makes like up for the fact that those first bunch of games were not for me. I think God of War, like the first core series, can be summed up in a single word, and that is revenge. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could say that about Gears of War of what it is. No, you can't. You can't really sum it up in any way, narratively or gameplay wise, except for stop and pop. <laughs> That's what you did. Stop and pop. But yeah, I think that if we're doing this as like as a whole, like just the importance of how surprising and how important that that new game is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think God of War wins this. Okay. So, uh, unless you unless you are gonna argue against me, but I have a feeling you're not going to. Oh no, I love God of War. <laughs> you watched me play through that. Yeah. I platinumed him God of War. I love God of War. I think yeah, I think that reboot did a lot for. The oh yeah, it did. I mean, it basically said that these kind of games can and still yes. work in the, that's this, relevant again in this modern age. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, so, we have been talking for two hours now, non-stop. Yes. That's it. Non-stop. But we're not done. We have two more fights. Oh, no. Uh, so, I'll say about this. We can do two fights each, or we just throw them all four of them in and kind of just mishmash Battle no, Royale style here. that's not focused enough. We need to do two more. We These will just have to be shorter. Okay. And then we'll have one last Well, one. the reason I say that is because we have, we'll have Mario versus Halo. Right. And Pokemon versus God of War. We just have, have to immediately go right into, like, attacking both of them. Alright. So, first up, Mario so, and Halo. Uh, first up, Mario versus Halo. Okay, so first up, you have, like, this is this is a comparison that's kind of easier to make because these are two, like, defining video game franchises. You have one that defined the platformer, yeah. and you have one that defined a shooter. But also, I think, and this makes this matchup interesting, you have... The video game defined as this is a very video gamey kind of experience that you can only get in video games, and video game as cinematic experience and as world like building. You have like something that's very narrative driven, something very cinematic, something that's very trying to make like this like experience that goes beyond just video games into the world of movies and science fiction and fantasy. And then you have Mario, which is like, nah, man, this is video games. This is what we are as a medium. This is this is very specifically like... This is whatever we want it to be, and you will enjoy it, because right. these are enjoyable games. It's an institution in the media that it is, whereas Halo wants to go beyond just the media that it's in. Right. And it's two very different schools of thought. It's also two very different console systems. One basically established and continues to run the Microsoft brand, while the other... It's the exact same for the Nintendo brand. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, uh, like, head-to-head, like, uh, first off, I think... First off, head-to-head, I think Master Chief can take Mario in a fight hands down. <laughs> yes. You just, yeah, you can go out there and melee him and you'd be down. Um, but, no, I think that gameplay, like, if we're talking about games specifically first, Mario does have the advantage with variety. There are a lot of different scenarios that you can have Mario in in a video game uh, that Master Chief just does not apply. Master Chief has been in shooters, and he's been in strategy games, and he's been in um, a fighting game, if you include that uh, the, the uh, uh, cameo appearance in the Dead or Alive series. Uh, so that's pretty much it. But with Mario, it's like you can have a lot of different kinds of game design experiences with Mario that you can't with, your, uh, with Halo. So I think that Mario has the advantage when it comes to actually playing the actual games. Uh, I think Halo has a... Very, at least the first couple Halo games have a very easy entry point of here's the established universe, here's the X amount, like I said, the in and out menu of 
here's what you have. Yeah. Here's your here's 10 your options. Here's your here's tools. What you here's what you got. You can work with it. We've made the game so you can solve every puzzle, every obstacle you come into right. with these tools. Mario, yes. it's, oh, we're going to change this. We're going to do yeah. this. We're going to make you a racer now. Oh, you're in the Olympics. You're up against Sonic, who's super fast, but somehow you can still beat him in a 100-meter dash if you win. But the variety helps with accessibility, which is key. Like, mm -hmm. Halo games are harder to get into than your average Mario game. Right. Also, Halo games have a steeper curve, yeah. not just in its heroic mode, but also in its legendary mode. Yeah, Halo does something uh, really well, but it does one thing really well. Right. Uh, but Halo also basically kind of established the presence of an online shooter. Right, it did. Uh, Mario, literally just uh, yeah. only a couple years ago, got into the online base. Yeah, it was, just was not a priority for Nintendo to bring Mario to online spaces. No. And so, yeah, then, then of course, importance like, like cultural resonance is like Mario has Halo beat like, Halo doesn't matter as much as it used to. It had a moment where Hollywood was interested in making it more than just a video game franchise. Didn't really pan out. N Mario, however, is already been on, been in Hollywood and will again. It's oh, like, so if we're going to bring up negatives, do, do we have, can we and should we bring up Super <laughs> Mario Brothers Phil? We can talk that exists, yeah, yeah. But I think that everything else is just overwhelms the fact that that exists. Like, it's done enough in its <laughs> yeah. canonicity to basically say, oh, yeah, sure, that's a part of us, but of that does not define it us. It's like the Nintendo exists. Yes, the Virtual Boy happened, but Nintendo still exists. <laughs> that's the same argument. But, like, yeah, like I think overall, just, yeah, Halo is just not the same culturally in any way, shape, or form as Mario. So, yeah, I think there's a point in the game's direction. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. There's a point in the games, and there's a point in the cultural resonance. What does Halo have? The like, I think narrative, narrative. world building. It, it has lore to it. Yeah. While each Mario game basically has its own lore, self-contained within each iteration, Halo's lore spans across multiple games. Yeah, and novels. And novels and media. Yeah. So yeah, Halo definitely has the uh, advantage for people who are looking for a world and a story. People, uh, not, no, not a world, yeah. a universe. Yeah, a universe and a story. Like yeah. people are looking, people like Halo because they want a, a sci-fi tale that is engaging to them, and that is what they have with Halo. Mario has no equivalent to that. Mario basically has no story beyond like the loose frame of characters. Like it just doesn't have the same kind of thing. So that's a definite point in Halo's direction because people are looking for that kind of experience. Halo, uh, Mario doesn't have it. Mm -hmm. Uh well, uh, are we still are we else? still deadlocked? <laughs> uh, like, is there any? Well, no. Technically, Mario does have a point advantage here, but unless there's anything else you want to bring up in Halo's favor over Mario, ah, uh, I mean, the fact that Halo basically sustains a console generation. It did, but does it anymore? I don't know if it does it anymore. Yeah, I don't think it does. I think we'll have to wait for the new console, which I assume it will be on. But that is still like maybe two yeah. years away. And as for like importance in the the industry, yeah, Halo did uh, mean a lot to the console shooter and for online uh, gameplay on console. But Mario created like the modern templates of a lot of two D and three D video games. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. Oh, this is a toss-up. No, By the way, I have a point toss up. here. I think it's Mario. That's why I'm like saying like you need to bring some ammo if you want Halo to stay. Uh, well, 
I think Master Chief is currently running out of ammo. <laughs> yeah. I, I see the counter on the, on the assault yes. rifle going down. Yeah. Tick, tick, yeah. tick. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. I think Mario takes this. I think, I think Mario has more to offer, not yeah. just in video games, but in terms of a franchise. Right, but the fact that Halo got this far is very telling. Is oh, that yeah. like it, it, it is something that was so big at its peak that it just mattered to the point where Microsoft made a big deal about Halo 3 being the most like uh, like the biggest media event of all time back in 2007? Like when it seven? came out. Yeah, early 07. Yeah. yeah, the fact that you had midnight sales. I think it Post at the time, it posted the record for the biggest media purchase in 24 yeah. hours. Yeah, it did. So yeah, it it mattered back then. It may matter in the future, but it will never matter as much as Mario. Yes, Mario. Whenever a new Mario game is announced, it will always be an event. Uh, whenever Mario is in something new, it will always make money. Yeah, and that's just part of whoring Mario out to, to stuff. <laughs> All right, Mario wins. All right, Let's Mario wins. Second fight. Okay, second fight. Pokemon versus God of War. Uh, yeah, these could this not almost be, seems unfair. These could not be more diametrically opposed yeah. in every sense of the word. You have two kind of facets of modern game design here, two opposing views of modern game design. You have something that's very much like we're trying to be something for everyone, we're accessible, we're uh, something that kids and adults can enjoy together, we're a media-like event, we're movies, we're television, we're everything, we're a living, breathing world. And on the other side, you have, we're narrative, we're a story, we're telling you this is a guided experience that may be in an open world, but it's still largely guided. This is like a, a franchise that... Is for adults. It is mature. It is. It a, is it's a cinematic event. This is a yeah. game of the year. This yes. is a game of a of a cycle of a lifetime. It's a video game franchise that is not trying to be a no. movie. It is not trying to be a book. It is not trying to be a television series. It is not. It is just it trying is, to be the most hardcore, visceral video game experience that you can have, interpreted differently, of course in the previous generations and in this current generation, but still that same kind of ethos. It's also something that controls its own narrative. Right. Whereas Pokemon can be anything set within yes. it, so therefore everything is Pokemon. Anything is Pokemon. God of War is its own narrative. There yeah. is a story they are telling with these characters, and there's a story that people are invested in right. in these characters. It's not like we're bringing in a new game, therefore you're bringing in a bunch of new people. Yeah. No, these are characters this is a character that you are invested with. Even, even if you didn't play the first uh, iteration of the God of War games in the Greek mythology, this new game brought such a fresh take to that that it's opening to all comers. It has a father-son narrative that yeah. is very residential to a lot of players. To a lot of gamers, in fact. That they're appreciating something that most people that most fathers don't necessarily appreciate because they didn't necessarily have this growing up. They don't have an affinity to it. So it's a cathartic reasoning to resonate um, in this new iteration of God of War. But yeah, like, yeah, it does all those things because of the kind of thing it is. Pokemon throws all that narrative stuff out of the window <laughs> and says, this is largely your story to tell. This is largely like, 
your relationship with your Pokemon is the story. And you can have so many different kinds of... I was going to say relations with Pokemon, but then that would have came out wrong. Um, but hey, I mean, you know what I mean. Pokemon have relations with other Pokemon and make Pokemon <laughs> eggs do. in a daycare setting. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways. But yeah, it's like, it's a, it's a different kind of approach to narrative design in kind of similar way to that, that The Sims was. It's just like, no, we're not going to, we're going to have kind of a story. We're going to have characters, but it's not necessarily like... That is not the part that matters. The part matters is that we're creating this imaginary world that you can live in. God of War doesn't really do that. No, it tells God... you a story in the traditional sense. It doesn't tell you a story in the way that Pokemon does where it's like, no, there are elements of the story, but it's largely the thing you make it. Right, but God of War does do that in the traditional sense of a hero's journey, yeah. of a hero's tale. There's a set structure that you're expecting from these games. Yeah. But even that expected structure can still put twists and turns and yeah. bring something new and fresh to the series. Oh, okay. But head to head, we gotta do this head to head. We're just talking about positives for both of them. We have to compare them. Okay. Uh, we have to say what one is better than the other at the end of this conversation. So cultural cachet, obviously, Pokemon has God of War beaten a second. Like we people know what Pikachu is immediately when they see it. People know Pokemon because it was such a big deal when it came out and is still relevant because of things like Go and Detective Pikachu. It is something that continues to evolve and grow along with its audience to change over time. Gears of War also evolved, but in a way that it doesn't necessarily like resonate with people outside of people who cover video games for their jobs. People loved that God of War, and it did get Game of the Year in gaming publications. But would your average person on the street know that God of War 2018 exists? Maybe not. They uh, would God know of... Pokemon Go exists, and that's I, the difference. I think you're right. God of War, while its narrative is largely confined to the console, there are graphic novels for God of War, but, but that story yeah. is... I mean, that's it. The story is confined to the consoles, whereas Pokemon stories are literally that. They're stories with yeah. an S, capital yeah, so you S, have A lot everywhere. of different stories within the world of Pokemon, which is what I was bringing up earlier. Mm -hmm. It's this living, breathing world that you can live in. Uh, whereas, yeah, the God of War is not trying to do that. So it's almost hard to fault it because it's going for a very different kind of thing. They're very, very different here. But also... It's limiting, though, when you have such a serious kind of uh, game design, and it's taking its story so seriously. It is going for a more mature audience, which I think is in its detriment when you're comparing it to something like Pokemon. Pokemon is accessible for all generations. God of War is not. I think the fact that you can have even your first Pokemon game can literally be any of them in the series. Yeah. Even Pokemon Black and White Two. Yeah. It could be. The fact that it's a two, yeah. and it could be your first one, your first iteration, and still have a story yeah. that's not confined to anything else, is both good and bad, but I think it's more good because it's an introduction to the world. You can start off with any yeah. facet of a Pokemon game, and your, it's your introduction to the world of Pokemon. And yeah, even the, 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 even the world of Pokemon itself is designed, like beyond just the game design... The world is itself is designed to be open to newcomers and accessible. It is built to be like, nah, there are many things you can do in the Pokemon world. You don't necessarily just have to fight. I've been having this conversation uh, with one of my friends 
about this because they like the idea of Pokemon. They think Pokemon are cute, but they hate that they fight. Their problem, their hitch on it is that like the game, main Pokemon games are all about them fighting against each other. And I was trying to explain, I was like, well, yeah, and the universe that the games are about it knows that. They admit that and be like, there are other things in the world of Pokemon that people do. There are people who take care of Pokemon. There are Pokemon breeders. There are Pokemon rangers that, that like range around the, the park. Right. There's Pokemon daycare. Pokemon even even once they had the Pokemon, Pokemon competition. Yeah. Uh, the, the the rainbow or the, the ribbon competition. Yeah, exactly. Pokemon contests uh, from Gen three onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that like Pokemon fashion shows, Pokemon comp- like commercial shoots. It's like Pokemon actors. Like there are things that, that are like in the universe that you can do inside the Pokemon world that make it this living, breathing world. And so it's not just limited to people who like to like have that challenge. People who like the fighting. Right, and I think this uh, Detective Pikachu film mm-hmm. and the game itself open up that world of there's more than just battling in yeah. the Pokemon universe. Yeah, there's a, this is a story that is not at all about Pokemon battling. It may have some elements of Pokemon battling in it, but it's a story told... Just that there is a Pokemon, there is a person, and this is how they are bonding, and there's a crime to be solved, there's a mystery to be solved, and it can tell the story within a Pokemon world without having to use battling as its crutch, which is fascinating, Mm -hmm. and it's something that most of the stories in this list cannot do. They cannot go beyond, the, the, the video game stories being told cannot go beyond the game mechanic. Right. The, like Pokemon can't. Right. And that's one thing that a lot of these franchises are beholden to yes. their console narrative. Definitely. The, 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 the mechanic, the, the, the hitch with the video game narrative is that you can only tell a story as far as the game itself will let you. Another one of those things uh, that I guess I'm really back to go back, going back to Ludo narrative, there is something in the, the game uh, theory spaces called Ludo narrative dissonance. Which is, you're doing something in a video game that butts up against the story that you're telling with the video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the problem that Uncharted has. Nathan Drake is supposed to be this lovable everyman who can who you relate to, but he also murders m- people all the time and does impossible physical stunts. That's with a narrative dissonance. That's the gameplay butting up against the story that you're trying to tell. You can't tell a story about Indiana Jones if he has no flaws. Right? Indiana Jones is likable, but he's also a jerk. That's why we love him, but that's also why he's something we need to think about. Nathan Drake's problem is he's supposed to be lovable, but he is a mass murderer. He should be locked up and put in jail. <laughs> like, it's, 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 a, it's, a t- it's a different kind of thing. Like, it's such an extreme case that, yeah, there's a dissonance between the story that, the, that you're telling and that the... the and the gameplay you're doing. And Pokemon is able to go beyond that. Do you have anything you want to say about God of War to try to even support it against Pokemon? Uh, for God of War? <laughs> yeah. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Yeah, there will be more. Yes. And that's the thing, is that this is not saying that that kind of game design is bad or that it will no longer exist. Oh, no. The, it got this far because we're saying that it should. Yes, and the fact that there is more planned for the series that because of not just because of one game of the year but 
more because it did win Game of the Year, that <laughs> they will funnel more resources into this narrative, into yeah. this new reboot. It's a there really, is more that they can do yeah. with it. It's a really unfair battle, this one, is because there's no way to compare them. There are two different philosophies of what a video game should be. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're, they're apples and oranges in a lot of ways, but we have to compare them. <laughs> All right, and because we have to compare them, yeah, Pokemon, uh, has, Pokemon to has to defeat the yeah. god yes, it of does. war. Yes, rips its head off. No, Kratos did that already. Yeah, P- no, Pikachu rips Kratos' head off in this scenario. <laughs> ready for it. It's bloody. It's disgusting. All right. That means that it's exactly what we said was going to happen when we started this podcast yes. series. Oh, so... Uh, Nintendo... Like I said, the beginning of the end, which is the beginning. Yes, Nintendo is up on top. Goes to show you that just how important Nintendo is in video games and how their franchises just have outlasted everybody else. If they make video games in such a specific way that, yeah, they just, they're timeless and irreplaceable in a way that the other video games franchises on this list just aren't. Well, we're going to have to place them in order, I guess. So we have to talk about which one's better. Alright, so we're going to talk about Mario versus Pokemon. And honestly... These are so gigantic yeah. of franchises that we're comparing two titans of industry against one another. I think the core difference between the two of them is that Mario is video games. Pokemon is more than video games. I think that if you show people Mario, they understand yeah. that is a video game. Yeah. Stop full sentence. Yes. <laughs> if you show someone a Pikachu, it could be, oh... That's that card game. That's that video game. That's that anime. That's that movie. That's detective. That's the That's detective. my detective. That's my <laughs> stuffed animal. Right. Yeah. It's almost to the point where, yeah, you could That's have... That's on my pajamas. I'm wearing that shirt right now. He is on my shirt. I keep bringing up theoretical nieces, but, like, your theoretical <laughs> niece could have a stuffed Pikachu and not uh, have ever played a Pokemon game. You could never ne- watch a Pokemon cartoon, never seen a Pokemon movie. They could have the stuffed Pikachu and just think it's a cute stuffed animal. Well, your realistic niece... <laughs> yes, does not have a stuffed Pikachu, but I should get her a stuffed Pikachu. You should. I don't know if my, my sister is ready for her to be introduced to Pokemon. What Pokemon is, though? Uh, she's three, right? She's three. Okay. Too she's, young. No. I'll she, wait a she's, little she's, bit. She, she's the right age. To eh. at least have it. Just at least have it. Not necessarily understand it, but at least have it. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that Pokemon does is... You don't necessarily have to understand what each Pokemon is. Yeah. Like we said, there's going to easily be a thousand Pokemon. You don't need to understand what every thousand, every Pokemon does. Yeah. But just by looking at its design, you can understand what type of element it is. What type of characteristic it's going for. The problem with this matchup, though, is that this is a video game. Yeah. And when you start thinking about it in that lens, though, Mario has the advantage. Mario is in more kinds of games, in the better games. I can say pretty much definitively that Super Mario World is better than any Pokemon game. (laughs) Full stop. That's not a conversation we even have to have. The Mario games are such perfection of what they do. They do them so well that, like, Mario Odyssey is going to be better than Sword and Shield. That's not a conversation we need to have. Mario games, I mean, the Pokemon games are good, but they're held down by being what the the, RP, the simple RPGs that they are. Yes, but 
Mario Odyssey and all Mario games have a narrative full stop. Yeah, there is a is, completion for it. You can 100% yeah. those games. Whereas with Pokemon games, literally the objective is to capture every yeah. Pokemon. You can't do that. But you can try. And that's what yeah. makes the game so entertaining. Is right. that you're constantly introducing new Pokemon. So you want to capture all of them. There is a Pokemon bank yeah. for you to be able to do this. To be able to transfer your Pokemon through different games. But even when you get into the spinoffs. As opposed to just the, the, the cores of both series. If you compare spinoffs to spinoffs. I think Mario still has an advantage. Well, uh, Mario has Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers, Two franchises which are m- wildly popular to the point where they may be just as popular as the main Mario games. I'll give you point. Mario Kart. I will not give you Smash Brothers. I feel Smash Brothers no. is its own franchise. Smash Brothers is such a big thing. Yes, but for, uh, Smash Brothers is not beholden to Mario because Pikachu was in that first Smash Brothers. That is it's weird. Much we do, yeah, a, that's a good point because that is a weird thing that we do have to mention that Super Smash Brothers involves both of these franchises. Yes. <laughs> So should we just weird. just combine them and say Smash Brothers? Yeah, Smash Brothers win. No, no we can't do that. No. Smash Brothers definitely does not win. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 tricky because like yeah, even if you do do the spinoffs against each other, the Mario spinoffs are better. They just are. They're better than the the, the, the Pokemon spinoffs. All right. So you mentioned Mario World, Super Mario World. Yes. Arguably the best Mario game. I will listen to arguments about the Galaxy games. I will listen to arguments about 3. But Super Mario World is the best Mario game. Probably. But <laughs> it does have a definitive ending. It does. Yes. There's a definitive thing you can do with it. Whereas Pokemon Go uh-huh. is literally yeah, constantly endless. evolving. Right. It is endless. They're reintroducing new Pokemon to it. They're having events for it. You don't have events for Mario games. Here's a question, though. You have events for Pokemon games. Here's a question, though. Would you rather play your favorite Mario game or your favorite Pokemon game, given that you had the choice between one or the other? Uh, that would depend on how much time I have to no, play. Don't think about... Okay, fine. You're on a desert island. Okay. You have brought. You have unlimited time. You're not concerned about uh, getting picked up because you're doing pretty well. You have food. You have com- you have shelter. You're good. Okay. You're given a choice. You have brought your favorite Mario game and you have brought your favorite Pokemon game. Which one do you choose to play at that period of time? Okay. So well, when you pick up one, the other one dissolves into ash. All right. <laughs> so I have my 3ds on me. I have Pokemon X and I have. Mario, uh, Mario 3D World. Okay. I open up my 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 myth my yes. mythical unlimited yes. battery, unlimited life. Yes. Uh, 3DS. 3DS from space. I open it up, and for some reason, I really go to Pocket Jockey just to play it. <laughs> <laughs> You're cheating. I know. Pocket Jockey wins. That's it. Well, uh, no, we need to. Yes. You need to answer the question. Um, I'd go with. Um, I would have to still go with Pokemon because there's a million ways you can play Pokemon, and you've shown me that. Yeah, that's true. That you can play Pokemon as a water trainer, yeah, you can. as a fire trainer, as a flying trainer. Yeah, if you, you want to play Pokemon 
Nuzlocke version yep. of it. Mm -hmm. You cannot do any of this with Mario. I mean, you can do speed runs and no coins, no deaths, and that's it. Yeah, that's true. Whereas with Pokemon, there's a reason there's so much variety into it. Yeah. That you can be a bug catcher specific Ooh. and here's, play it. Here's another element, though. If you're watching somebody do a speed run, you'd rather watch Mario than Pokemon. Yes. In <laughs> a speed run version, I would rather watch someone do a yeah. speed run Mario. Mainly for the fact that I could never do that. Right, right. I can never speed run it like that. Yeah. Whereas if I'm watching a speed run of a Pokemon game, I'm watching them break down the game, break down the combat. It's yeah. more of a deconstruction of this game that I like. Rather than, <laughs> here's me completely obliterating it because yeah. you're such a noob at it. Here's another theory, uh, a theoretical situation. If you had a choice to wa like watch whatever the new Illumination Mario Brothers movie ends up being... <laughs> Or Detective Pikachu, which one would you choose? <laughs> uh, Two movies we have not seen and we do not know the quality of. Well, we know the quality of one because there are trailers well, we of know it. Certain elements of that one, at least. But which one do you watch? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure on that. Because uh, on the one hand, I would. We know what Detective Pikachu looks like. And I kind of want to be immersed in that world. <laughs> we have no idea what that Mario is. Going but we don't know what Mario will look like, and Minion. I am wary of Illumination's storytelling ability. Oh, me too. Okay, so yeah, just text Pikachu. Uh, but yeah, yeah anyways. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, this is such a hard conversation to have. I don't know. I legitimately know who, uh, don't know who wins. Because my personal, like I said at the top of this, my personal feeling is that the just how open-ended the world and the universe that they've created, the world building that they've done with Pokemon, is endlessly fascinating to me. And I think allows for more stories to be told within that world. And it allows people to feel like authors of their own story in that world. But the Mario games are so... They're the DNA of video games. They are why video games are this popular medium. If Nintendo had not put out the NES in the United States, and if Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers hadn't like existed, we would still have been in the post-crash days of the early 80s. We wouldn't have gotten to the point where video games mattered as much public consciousness. While Mario may never be a cinematic adventure no. to the quality of art, it is so family-friendly, yeah. it is so easily accessible that Mario is Nintendo, and in some sense, yeah. is Japanese cult—not not Japanese culture, but it's a large a, piece a of Japanese large culture. piece of Japanese culture. It, is de it became that way because I mean, of just how important Nintendo is to that country. And, and I'm going to bring this back to, to the and I'm going to bring this back to the fact that at the end of the 2016 yeah. Olympic Games, yes. when they handed the torch yeah. off. They made a very specific right, Mario. Mario reference. That could have been Pikachu, that but they chose Mario. That is a good point. I did never, th I never thought about it that way. But yes, they could have chosen Pikachu. That could have been. Oh, I need to get to uh, these. I need to get to Brazil. Let me hop on Charizard <laughs> and fly over because Charizard yeah. is quite. Maybe as iconic as Pikachu. Yeah, not there, but but, but the yeah. fact that you did a Mario, I never thought of that. Pill, a Mario uh, sewer like pipe, ref, pipe, pipe reference. Yeah, Mario pipe to get there from Tokyo to Rio de Janeiro. Right. 
the fact that it's on a world global stage right. that everyone is recognized of Mario. That yeah. like that is Mario. That is Nintendo. Okay. That is Tokyo, Japan. I okay. get that. Here's where I'm at, and this has to be the last thing. So I need you to convince me which way to go here, because I am literally on the fence. Okay. Because it's a video game franchise thing, I want to, like, part of me is like, well, Mario wins this because there's more variety of games that he's been in. He is synonymous with games. He is important with the development of games as, as medium. Uh, that's where I'm at with Mario. With Pokemon, yeah, maybe not as important to video games, but maybe pretty important to the company of Nintendo as we know it today. Also, like, the living, breathing world stuff has created this kind of thing that Mario could never dream of. Like, you can't imagine, like, having this, like, these stories being told in the Mario universe. No, only the Pokemon universe can you have these stories being told about, like, all these kinds of different experiences you can have. And I don't know which one of those things is better than the other. Like, like yes, the Mario argument is more video game-centric than the Pokemon argument is, but I think they're so close and so beloved... In similar ways, I don't know if I can choose one or the other at this exact moment. Well, I'm of two minds here, because we're talking about video game franchises. Yeah. And when you break up those two words, you have two different winners. If you're talking about video <laughs> games, right. you're talking about Mario. If you're talking about a franchise, franchise you're talking about Pokemon. And that's why these two are so close right here. And that's so the thing, I thought here. for sure that I was going to air towards, uh, air towards Mario here, because... A video game argument, but then you started bringing up the world of options within the Pokemon games, and I and you may have like changed my mind a little bit about that. It's like no, the Pokemon games do these things that you described like are so malleable in ways that the Mario games are not. That it's an interesting approach, and it's this it's a continuation of this argument that we've kind of gone, been going back and forth with this bracket, which is what are video games about? Are they about these authored experiences, or are they about having control to create. I think the fact that we eliminated God of War and Halo, which are yeah, by far very, very author and narrative experiences, which means that we do not consider that as, as, important. as important as everything else we've talked about. Yeah, but we, on the other hand though, we did eliminate The Sims. Which is the most unauthored game on this list. Yes, but what was Sims going and up against? World of Warcraft, which is also this very like community driven like ex- extra vi- extra video game experience. Yes, but both of those video games in the first round went up against Mario and Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. How could you ruin this? I did this on purpose. We were so close. <laughs> oh boy. Ah, God. I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm going to... I'm torn. I'm going to break it up here. We have to end this we podcast. We have to end this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we let's, we've been going back and forth on this. Yeah. I think the key here is: do we emphasize the video the game, game or do we emphasize the franchise? That is not a question that I can answer. Uh, when we created this, what did this is maybe why we should have been like, "What are we going for?" <laughs> because we didn't answer that question. We, well, we just wanted to do video games, <laughs> but then we talked about video game franchises to be more specific. And I think because we want to be specific... Why didn't we just do, like, I don't know, Mario games or something like that? Yeah, we could have. Ah. But we'd have to play every Mario game. Here's my, here's where I'm at. My brain says Mario, my heart says Pokemon. Okay, but what does your head say? No, but my, head, my brain <laughs> is in my head. Alright. Um, where are you? 
Uh, as much as leaning one way or the other on this, I want to lean more towards Pokemon because you gave me that island scenario <laughs> yes. of here's two iconic franchises. Well, that's the thing though. That if I was just doing a single game, I could do Pokemon because I could pick up any Pokemon game yeah. and play them and like figure and get get by with it and enjoy myself. If I'm yeah. picking any Mario game, however, there's only like a certain number of Mario games within its entire canonicity that I would want to play because it would then feel... All right. I don't want to say repetitive, but okay. like the story would not be there to, to, to keep me. All right. Then that does that do it? I think that's Is it. Is it Pokemon? All right. It's Mario. Oh, wait. <laughs> No, it's Pokemon. All right, okay, I guess we did it. We're 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 gonna claim Pokemon. I'm okay here. with this. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm okay with this. You convinced going into this, I thought its its crutch would be that the games aren't as good, but you convinced me. Maybe the games are as good. It's, it's not necessarily that that if they're good or not or just good enough. It's the fact that you could come to Pokemon. At any, any point in the series. In any level at of any experience, level. any level of interest, any level of like creativity. And there's always something there to hook you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that does it. Pokemon is, according to the Media Boat Podcast, uh, best video game franchise. Yes, emphasis on the <laughs> franchise. And wow, we've been going at this for a two hours, film, 30 seconds, 30 uh, minutes. Film's length version of this <laughs> podcast. All right, well, that does it. Let's wrap this up quick, then. That has been uh, our this year's uh, 2019's uh, March Madness bracket from the Media Book Podcast. But guess what? We have a surprise. We will not be releasing it this week, but next week, uh, stay tuned, because we will have a special spinoff episode where we'll be talking about multi-platform games. Yes, you've probably been yelling at us during this bracket because your favorite franchises were not involved. You're like, wait, where's Final Fantasy? You yeah. mentioned Final Fantasy VII, but where is it? Where's Final you, Fantasy? You mentioned Assassin's Creed. You where's mentioned Creed? Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Where's Kingdom Hearts? Where's Kingdom Hearts? Where are all these other video game franchises? But it's because we had to narrow it down somehow and we had to eliminate multi-platform games as a result. So we will be talking about those in a special spinoff podcast, which we will have to figure out how we're going to do that within like an hour something reasonable <laughs> so we'll be doing that off the podcast because this was way too long uh so we will figure that out and we will record that for you and we will get that up but for now pokemon is your reigning champ this has been the mini vote podcast my name was matt his name was mike I don't think we're we did changing that. our names now yes uh, i'm mike <laughs> he's matt we are the media podcast you can catch our normal podcast yes, on wednesday nights. wednesday nights uh we go live on youtube between six, six and seven, seven. Uh, follow us on yep. Twitter and YouTube. At Media Bowcast. Uh, when we, we will tweet out when we go live so you can join us. Uh, but till then, this has been our March Madness Bracket. And uh, now uh, we will go and we'll see you guys next time. Ah, thank you all for tuning in and for listening to this super long podcast. Goodbye. Bye.